11 o'clock comics episode 211 Lipson scared the shit out of me. Uh, it's not a good thing they're doing. They've adjusted their uh, statistic algorithm, and the numbers are drastically lower because they exempted multiple contacts from the same iPhone. Like if somebody somebody downloads the episode and they come back tomorrow or the next day and, and listen to it again. Everything past the first one is now stricken. So well, that's fair, actually. I don't know. I like to see the big numbers. Oh, no, but that's but that's legitimate because you want to get a sense of unique listeners. That's fair. Yes. Yeah. Well, I hope all three of the people listening tonight enjoy this damn show. It's all good. Mine probably is. And how about your 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 buddy going on walkabout? I don't want to deal with anything about comics for the next. Four weeks, five weeks, and then he goes on the Twitter. He's talking about freaking comics. What the hell? I know. <laughs> I have no idea, man. Spread like I, wildfire, uh, too. Ron Richards even Ron Richards even called out Chris on the uh, iFanboy this week. It's wacky. Yeah, about the walkabout. We, uh, we, we made up this walkabout thing, and it's taken off like wildfire. That's awesome. <laughs> I, love I have it. no idea. I can't. I can't really say anything. I mean, I understand where he's at with it personally, but. I, and I quit, you know, podcasting five or six times already. So I don't. I have nothing to. <laughs> with good reason, though. Well, <laughs> if I did it with Chris, I would have quit five. Wait a minute. You do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm not. You know, honestly, for as much as we are together all the time, uh, you know, we work together, we hang out, we do a lot. You know, do a lot of the same things together. We don't really talk that much about like, you know. That kind of stuff. I mean, we don't we we talk more, you know, sports and that kind of crap than why he's doing or why he's not. I mean, I don't really give a shit. What you know, do whatever you want. You know, <laughs> it's so. True. But yeah. um, I, I think he's just a little burnt on on comics. I don't think he's enjoying a whole lot of the stuff that's coming out right now. And uh, I, you know, I went through the same thing of like, um, it became a chore. Instead of a hobby that I enjoyed, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and that's not fun. It's not, you know, like I don't, I certainly don't enjoy comics like I once did. And I don't want to turn this into a whole fucking, you know, thing about why stupid podcasters don't want to talk about comic <laughs> books anymore. But um, I don't enjoy them like I once did. And I wish I did. I, I for whatever reason, you don't have love in your heart anymore. I may, maybe it may be, and I don't know, and I don't know whether I, I honestly, I I always think about it, and I always go, well, I don't know if it's just I, I'm at an age where I may have just outgrown them to a certain degree. No, hell no. Well, I'm just saying personally, not like there's an age limit that you get to as a human being, and no, and you no longer read comics, but just me well, personally, I, even I if it is, that's encouraging for me because that gives me at least like another decade. Because oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so, Sal. I think it's in, in terms of you. I think it's more of a case of you, the three of you. Well, no, let's just discount Tom because Tom didn't normally read the same things that you and Chris did. You were basically reading um along the same lines of stuff. 
So naturally, the things that would set off one would kind of seep into the other. You know what I mean? So if you came out of our show every week, I don't read the same things David reads. David doesn't read the same things Jason does. You would be among a, a whole diverse group of, of comics from different areas of the medium. You should come here all the time. Are you pitching? Are you trying to get me to make a sales pitch? Yeah, yeah, sounds kind of like a and pitch. We, we would in, reinvigorate your love because it'd be all different <laughs> stuff floating around. There's you couldn't help but well, you know, but latch onto something like yeah. The thing good. that I've I've been able to do and and is that I had to come to the realization that I can't read or enjoy everything. Right. Yeah. Right. And there's just so many comics out there of so many different types. And as much as I love superheroes. I mean, I love superhero comics. I love, I still love those characters. Like, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to see the Avengers movie, uh, you know, and I watch the Saturday morning cartoons with my kids. I love those characters. I'm just not crazy about the comics anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just have to find comics that I am crazy about that may not be superhero comics. Um, ah. They may be, but they may not be. And I just have to be pickier and have to find stuff that I really enjoy, um, you know, instead of trying to just, like, power through 50 issues of, of stuff a, a week that I don't really care for, um, which just is not something I want to do anymore, you know what I mean? So right. um, I just have to be pickier and try and find stuff that I really, really like, and it may, or, it may be a super... I mean, there are still the occasional superhero book that I enjoy, Um and certainly it's not anything about superhero comics. I mean, I think there's as good of superhero comics out today as, as maybe ever. Um, there's a lot of shitty ones, but there's there's some really good ones, I think, too. But I just think I, I'm, I may be past, like, trying, like, enjoying those types of books as much as I once did. Um, right. and, and that goes for a lot of other stuff, too. I mean, I don't enjoy, like, tentacle porn comics like i once did you know. oh, how but, could you outgrow that that's what, <laughs> uh, by the way what show am i listening to right now that's true hey everybody it's 11 o'clock <laughs> comics and i am vince b yeah yeah i am uh david price Woo this is true and of course back again i am the one the only flint marco i am uh, checking my notes i'm uh, flint marco no you're not well, i was gonna say william baker but then i thought people wouldn't know who i was talking about so no, you're not flint marco you're jason wood everybody and we have a guest today if you haven't noticed already he is one of is was slash one of the voices of the around comics podcast he is a savvy entrepreneur a good-looking guy and he is turning into one hell of an illustrator he's an artist true. too my god the guy does everything uh brian salazar aka sal in the house we love him what up it's good to be here in the warm embrace of the uh, homoerotic home of <laughs> comics dude how's it feel to rep the third coast uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's, it's it feels pretty good we're uh, not hey, shy hey, we love our brothers home run for us buddy we're in good shape nice yeah Adam's turning it on. I, I yeah, we don't. Well, well, let's not get into. Sport. I know they'll. they'll they, they thought they were. They thought they were had at least a month of avoiding baseball talk. <laughs> and I'd like to turn the listeners <laughs> on to an excellent way to get your comic books cheaply. Yes, I'm talking about discount comic book service dcbservice.com, where you, Mister and Mrs. Comic Book Aficionado, can get your books at huge 
discounts way below retail, uh, 35 to 75 percent off their monthly spotlighted specials. They wrap them up nice and secure just today. The dumbass UPS dude left my package on the porch and it was a rainy day uh, and shit. the bot and the really and the box was wet, opened it up. It could have been as sunny as California outside because the books were nice and dry and toasty and, and, and cradled in there. But you get your books on Wednesday? Yes, I do. So is that from the week before? Monthly, buddy. So, yeah. Well, no, yeah. but no, right. But what I'm saying is, is so like, is the well, last set of books you're getting from last Wednesday? Probably, yeah. I would oh, say. I don't, I'm not sure though, but I would say probably. Well, because it was the end of the month. This is the first Wednesday of May, right? So yeah. So it would have been the mine, last. I get mine on Friday. Right, oh. but you you get. Yeah, that's um, that's <laughs> usually what happens with 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 you weekly or biweekly, Jason. I used to be biweekly. I'm weekly now. Okay, I heard um, he was biweekly. <laughs> at least, at least in in the summer months. Yeah, yeah Vin, Vince usually gets his Wednesday. I'll sometimes get mine on on Tuesdays. And man, okay. what a box today! Chock full of goodness. What's in, in this box? What's in the box? In the box? Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. And if you are a first time DCBS customer, you can enter the following code in the pre moistened slot and get an additional. 8% discount on top of your already Wamba discounts. David, tell them what it is. That code is EOC and the number 8. That's right. EOC 8 for an extra 8. So bringing your total to like over 50% for most stuff. It's crazy. DCBService.com. Check them out. True that. And tell them we sent your asses there. Cause it's true. They got it. We got to count, right? Humana, humana, humana. Something else going on this weekend. You know it. The last week we could talk about this because it's going to happen, which is mm. the wild pig sale. <laughs> Squeeze like a pig. Wow. You got a purdy mouth. Yeah, I got a purdy mouth right there. Uh, so, been talking about it. Pis- uh, Piscataway, New Jersey, which is a, ho- a hop, skip, and a jump from my digs. Uh, two hops, two skips, and two jumps from Vince's digs. And like a skip and a half, and a hop and a half, and a jump and a half from David's digs. But basically, if you live in the tri-state area... There's no reason you can't get there. Um, Embassy Suites, got uh, Saturday, May 5th, Sunday, May 6th, opens at 10 a.m. each day. Now, caveat to that, if you do pre-order your tickets, and pretty much that means you have to order your ticket as you're listening to the show, because time is running out. But if you do pre-order your ticket, you can show up at 9 a.m., and the reason you might want to do that is not only does it make it easier for Chris Everly, who's running the show, but... You will then get to get into a special line, which will entitle you to first dibs on the free comic book day comics. Oh, yeah. So if you uh, know anything about FCBD, it is that weekend, and I know he's going to have a plethora of uh, the selections. So I am pretty giddy about getting a big bunch of free comics. Um, There's going to be over 50 guests, uh, including such luminaries as Vince Bonavolia, uh, David A. Price, Jason Wood. No, I'm just kidding. We will be there, but I don't know. We we don't count as guests. Um, Let's see. Peter David's going to be up in there. Yay. Uh, Rudy Nebris, of course. (laughs) The man. You always laugh when we say his name. Why because is that? it makes me excited to see Rudy (laughs) Nebris. My boy Don McGregor. I'm going to talk some Black Panther with him, I think. Uh, Let's see. Riley Brown. I hope to get a sketch from him while we're there. Uh, all sorts of people. Uh, the, the Dutchie Digest crew is going to be there. Bruce Rosenberger, who may in oh. fact be the uh, original comic book podcaster, and it's either him or Augie, I think. Right? They were the first. It's, it's one or the other. Yeah. Um, they were certainly early in the whole in the whole pantheon. Pioneers. Of... Who? Pioneers. Exactly. Exactly. 
And the uh, the reason you'd be going is, of course, not just to see our beautiful faces, but uh, there are going to be more than 65,000, that's right, 65,000 back issues alphabetized and 50 cents a piece. Savvy listeners will, will know that that number has risen by a significant amount from previous promotions. Why, this Jason? Is true. Because Chris, the owner and operator of the Wild Pig, acquired a sizable new collection uh, last week, which he described to me as, um, I think it was four or 5,000 Bronze Age comics. And oh, he uh, is immediately working feverishly with his buddies and assistants to get those books uh, intermixed for the sale. So they will be in the sale, and they're all new stuff. So even if you've been at prior sales, there's going to be plenty of new stuff for you to check out. Uh, for you trade readers like like our boy Sal here, I mean, I know Sal's not going to be there because he lives in Chicago, but if you were to be there, he'd be happy to see that there'll be 3,000 trades and hardcovers for sale at 50% off a pop. Holy um, shit! Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then, of, and then, of course, the raffle. Three raffles, actually, with some absolutes, some omnibu, some Jack Kirby uh, uh, omnibuses, Vince, will be up in there. Nice. There's going to be a Romita Artist Edition. Couple statues, and uh, it's going to be a badass time. Put it that way. So, uh, we just off the air. We're talking. The three of us will, in fact, all be there on Saturday at the start of the show. So, uh, if if by chance you have wanted to meet us or talk to us and haven't had the opportunity, now's your time. So, do it. I didn't. Out. I didn't pre-order. Oh, yeah. still do it. You can still yeah. do it just after the show. Now, let me ask you a question. But it, I was going to say, pre-ordering is 10 bucks for the weekend. Yeah. If you don't pre-order, it's uh, 10 bucks per day or 20 bucks for the weekend. I right, think. but does the pre-order get you first dibs on the... Now, I'm not talking about the free stuff. First dibs on the 65,000 books, or everybody gets into the 65,000 books at the same time? Everybody gets in at the same time. All right, then. That's okay. Well, I should, there's one caveat to that. Um, you get If you pre-order, you get an extra raffle ticket. Right, because oh. like, like everybody gets one raffle ticket for free, you get two if you pre-order, and then you can buy like kind of like a fifty-fifty. You could buy more for a buck a piece. Um, you you get to check in an hour early, and then when they open up the main sale, the people that are in the pre-order line get to go in first. Right, because they're already past right. muster. Oh, and then you get first dibs on the FCD books, which he said you get to have one of each that he has per person as long as supplies last. Yeah, I don't so want that. So there's a good that. chance that if you didn't pre-order, you're not getting free comic book books pretty much. Bronze, baby. That's what I want. Bronze. Bronze, and it's got to say giant size on it. That's nice. what I want. Yeah. I imagine you guys fighting like a bunch of soccer moms during Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that would have been me in the old days, but I'm, I'm so not into buying old back issues anymore that uh, oh, I just let people fight over that stuff. That's my blood. I need them. The only thing that's changed with Wild Pig that is to the detriment in my view is that Chris used to have crazy good wall books and he used to price those at 50% off too for these sales and then he got smart and realized that's probably not the best thing to do <laughs> so, so he doesn't have wall books anymore but uh, other than that it's a fantastic time yeah but you one could uh, say that the wall books have become some of the boxed books because what does he do with the wall books well Did no he... that's true but no I mean he, he used to have wall books though that wouldn't go in the box like it's evolved in the days when he had a store the wild pig sales and they were much smaller than they didn't really have guests were uh, like traditional store sales right. and he had 50 he had thousands of 50 cent books but then he also had other long boxes with with non like non 50 cent books but they were um you know like uh, 50% off whatever they normally would be so if it was a $10 book it would be $5 and then he had right. actual wall books and just to give you an example of the kind of stuff he used to have i mean i bought iron man number 1 off the wall for 50% off i bought 
the first appearance of Iron Fist uh, mm-hmm. off of his wall for 50% off. I bought the uh, uh, Tomb of Dracula number one for 50% off on off the wall wow. one time. So, Why? I mean, and, and these were high grade. I mean, you know me, these were high grade, uh, like beautiful, beautiful versions of the books. So I didn't know you were that big of a fan of Gene's work. It's two you out kid. of three. Two really? out of three. Well, I mean, I know you love Gene, but to buy Tomb of Dracula number one when you can get this probably sp- the omnibus for less than what you paid for that wall book. Sure, but you know me, I, I'm a sucker for Marvel uh, number uh, first appearances. It's true, you know, it's true, it's true. So. All right, so let's uh, remember Wild Pig, and it's like the we're entering into the con season because you have two weeks, two, one, two for the Summit City Comic Con. Yeah. Yep, ten a God. ten a.m. to six p.m. on May twelfth. Uh, Gabriel Hardman, Robert Atkins, Mike Norton, Tom Scholey, Katie Cook, Hillary Barda, and a, a ton more. Just a ton more. Fort Wayne. Go. Yes. The, it's in Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's close. Back. It's close to Chicago. We drove through it. And like I said, children uh, 12 and under get in free with an adult paid uh, ticket. Remember this time, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. May 12th. You've got to be there. Got to be there. If you like Power Rangers, you've got to be there, too. I'm not saying nice. anything else. I want to spoil it. No. So there you go. Uh, Drink... Go ahead. No, you'd go. No, I'm just going to throw out one more plug because, um, so I don't forget at the end, uh, you have until May 5th because they're announcing the winners on May 6th for uh, Matt Burden's Future Pro Wrestling Cancer Research uh, Original Art Raffle. And... Mm-hmm. Um, futureprowrestling.com you can check that out see what's going to be available see what you can bid on and some of some of those well you got Slurmo you got Dave Stokes you got some gorgeous looking work that, that you can bid on so uh, just want to make sure since this will be the last episode before the the um, the auction that uh, we can mention it so there you go bid can and I, bid often you can can I can I plug something sure no <laughs> What do you think this is? Well, geez, you guys have enough of them. I figure one more isn't going to hurt anything, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Uh, I, 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 am, I think it's almost 100% sure I will be at the Traverse City Comic Con in Traverse City, Michigan, at Memorial, Memorial Day weekend. It's a small con at the um, Tra- Grand Traverse Resort Casino and Hotel. Uh, that's why you're going. Oh, right there. There'll, be, there'll be hookers there. <laughs> I'm bringing the family. This is a family trip, though. Oh, the kids are coming yikes. with me. The wife's coming with me. Everybody's good. Yeah. No, they the great guys. They invited me out last year um, to to come up and 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 hang out and do the show. And I couldn't make it, but they at C two E two they came up to my table and and asked me again if I wanted to go. So this this year I'm going to go up there and. I think um, some other of the guests are going to be uh, Steve Dillon, I believe, is there. Wow. Tony Moore, um, Ryan Stegman, uh, nice. guys like that. So I will be, I will be set up uh, doing stuff, selling stuff, and also uh, podcasting. And I think, I don't know what else. I'll be doing some panels and stuff for those guys. So wow. um, end of May and uh, Traverse City, Michigan. It's supposed to be beautiful up there. I don't know. I've never been there, but should be fun. Awesome. Look at you. Sal, in lieu of your buddy, why don't you do the drink roll call? Hey. Oh, uh, sure. I don't. Um, how does that go? I just started off. I just. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I am drinking a Magic Hat. Um, hey, that's what I was drinking last week. Oh, uh, Howl Black as Night Lager. It's um, sort of a yeah. dark, dark 
lager. Um, I don't know, nothing that special, but it's pretty good. I like it. Um, and there you go. It's got a cool label. Yes, it does. But, I like the label a lot. Yeah. Some illustrated work on there. Yes. Who should go next? Oh, I think... Bus driver. I think um, Wood should go next. <laughs> well, um, in in, uh, in honor of, uh, of of where I happen to be located right now, which is... Uh, if people have ever seen The Wire, I'm pretty much in the center of that part of yeah, Baltimore yeah. right now. You say it, bro. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I am I am drinking um, uh, Pacifico, uh, which is a uh, Mexican pilsner, uh, which is uh, it's owned by by Negro Modelo now, but uh, it used to be its own its own brand. It recently got acquired by them, but uh, it's good. It's a it's it's a it's a pretty smooth lager, but uh, I. Didn't have a lot of choice because I'm on way on business, and I stopped at a uh, actually a Dwayne Reed nice. Texas hotel, and uh, <laughs> so I, of all the choices there, it was uh, either a forty of Oldie or uh, the Specifico. So I opted for uh, <laughs> Nice. How about you, Vince? Well, I thought I'd mix it up a little bit this week, uh, mostly due to the fact that we have a very special guest in oh. Sal, and I thought I'd commemorate the occasion by drinking actually some beer this time. Sweet. You know what I mean? It's wow. things like this don't come along every week. Um so I, I am drinking Yingling lager just because of Sal. Nice. Appreciate it. <laughs> now I I almost feel bad because I um, I I wasn't going to actually drink anything alcoholic because I drank about a bottle of wine last night uh at dinner. So I wasn't going to drink today, but I figured <laughs> I better just in case. There you go. There's grapes in wine, I heard. Yeah. That's really? <laughs> Rumor has it. Speaking <laughs> of grapes. David. Uh, let's see. Tonight, Vince, for you. Oh, I 45. Drinking. What about me? <laughs> this is all about me. It oh, is. It always I'm is. Sorry. It, it really is like Chris is here. Uh, <laughs> no. have, uh, it is uh, Boyle Creek, Malbec, and Cabernet Sauvignon, a dry red wine. Oh. Uh, the, the sticker says, Hell was full, and there's little freaky looking jack o' lanterns and bats on the label. It's. My first time trying it, it, it ain't too bad, actually. Well, there's no more room in hell. The Cabernet Sauvignon will walk the earth. Oh, we will. Yeah. All right. And I'm, I'm, I'm drinking this because I'm really hoping it will wipe whatever the hell is. It, Jason oh. was right a while ago, and um, I just have it on to have in the background because I can't stand not having something on while I'm, while I'm talking to you guys. And it, I... Green Lantern is a horrible fucking movie. It is, right? Oh, oh boy. My god. It's this like is... it's 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 one of those things where you you know you it, it got such negative buzz and it did so poorly that you almost felt but like But there's a reason for it. Yes. That you think like, "Ah, oh, you know what? It's going to be one of those ones where if I just let the the momentum die down and I see it on cable or on you know, uh-huh. the man, it's going to be all right, like my expectations are low." And yet, in spite of having what I thought to be Almost no expectations. I found it to be horrendous. You know, it is an assault on the eyes. It, it, <laughs> it, oh my god! I oh. gotta say, I have been highly anticipating one superhero movie, and um, I actually did a flip flop on another where I didn't really care to see it. Now I'm highly anticipating it as well. But I gotta say, the latest trailer for The Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. it's uh, it looks good. Uh, there are certain scenes that that 
probably will be fantastic on the big screen, mm-hmm. but there were a couple of cringeworthy things in this trailer, and it's got yeah. it put it's doing the little squelch on my my oh, enthusiasm. There's interesting because I mean I got so there's much a storm right coming. Now, I mean, really? Yeah. There's there's a Dude, storm coming. The thing is, is we've got. I mean, he's got a lot of goodwill right now. I mean, oh, I know, and I I love the previous film. I think it's the best superhero film of all time, really. Uh, but I think Bane looks a little weird. Yeah, he does. And, he does. And, yeah, and I don't know if they're going to continue to try to work on the 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 uh, the dubbing so that you can actually understand what the hell he's saying. I see. <laughs> it, it got it got a little better with this latest trailer. <laughs> but I still, and, and and it could it could very well just be you know the the, the YouTube clip. I can't. I, I don't know for certain. I'm sure it'll sound great in the theater, or if you have a decent enough sound system in in your home theater. Right. But um, but car. It's it's. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like it's like he got a little bit bit they, they toned down the the first sequel voice, and and he he's, he's not quite the way he was in in Batman Begins, but it's a little bit more. Um, yeah, I, understandable. I will go to see it, and it looks gorgeous. The, the, with the the scene where the bridges are blowing up, man, and that that's looks the other great. thing. Dude. It's like they just it, it, nobody from Gotham can ever leave Gotham. Every chance they, all right, I'm just I'm either going to cross the bridge or I'm taking the ferry. It doesn't matter. No one's ever leaving Gotham, and and I swear, I really do think that it, it wasn't because. They, they 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 were doctors or in text. The Waynes made their fortune by selling shitty locks to Arkham Asylum. <laughs> well, if you're going to terrorize, you you want to remove options, right? So if you're going to terrorize, if you're going to terrorize a city, you you cut off the escape routes. That only makes sense, right? You, you push yeah. the, the population into a corner. You, you blow the bridges. Mm-hmm. So what 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 do you you don't think that that was a uh, a smart thing for a terrorist to do? I don't understand. You you didn't like that aspect it's, of the. It's it's any time. It it's just it it recalls the the previous movies to me. In the first and Batman Begins, everybody was trying to leave. The the the, the inmates were basically um, herded with 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 the civilians with the citizens. Of Gotham, so I mean, every, there's there's always travel, dangerous involved. place, there's always transportation, and well, th- there you go. But it's just it's it's it just struck a chord with me because of of the whole um, when when the Joker was trying to see which which ferry boat would turn on the other, mm-hmm. and and it's just mm-hmm. it's just the whole transportation. You just don't like it. That's all. I didn't say that. I haven't seen. He's a tough sell. He is I like something I haven't seen yet. Friggin' greatest. Superhero movie ever, and he thinks it's too long. Wow, it, it's like it it's is. like too much sex. It's not. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> what the hell Fire. is going on? It's great animal. <laughs> he doesn't like uh, the second Batman movie. No, I'm hearing an ad. For what? For what? For Battleship. Uh, not on this ad. <laughs> what the really? fuck? You, you guys didn't hear that? No. Oh, no. I that looks it, good like too. A, like it was like a teaser for Battleship. It was the strangest thing. As you I guys wish were I heard about it. Batman. Hmm. I don't know where it must have been from my browser or something. I don't know. That, that was weird. It freaked me out. I just. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to to uh, to jump. Battleship in there, does just, look good. Um, I think. It, a little weird like, though. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Weird is By good. By the way, Vince, you just lost about eight thousand points with Gabriel Hardman for saying that. Why? <laughs> oh, he is. Well, the next time you want to know why? Next time you see him, ask him what he thinks about the concept of Battleship the movie. 
Okay. I'm just looking to have a good time. I, I don't need to No, I understand. He, he just, and I will admit, the movie, it looks much more interesting than I would have thought when they said when we're going to make a movie about Battleship. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, looks, it looks much better than, than the Super Bowl trailers. Yes. yes. Well, they basically said, well, we can't really make a movie about a freaking board game, so let's <laughs> just call it Battleship and throw big aliens in it, and, and then we'll have a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Come on, Rihanna in friggin' uh camo? Give me a break. I'm there. <laughs> I got no problem with that. My only yeah. issue with it is her coming like the, the behind the scenes stuff of her inspiration for the character, some real life uh marine or something, and it's it's like really you needed an inspiration for your character, <laughs> Rihanna. Just stand there and look good. Yeah, <laughs> you can do that. You can do that. How about All I just right. wanted to be in a movie with Liam Neeson? That's enough of a reason for me. <laughs> There you go. True song at some point. Does she just, you know, break out in some sort of a hip hop? That's how she gets and, the and, aliens and, to leave. Repeat it, repeat it a thousand <laughs> times. There you go, Vince. Nice. <laughs> All right. Let's butter this waffle. What do we got? I got nothing. Oh, boy. <laughs> Good night, folks. Nah, I, I got something. I got something. Yes, I only read, I've only read one thing that's worth talking about this week, though. I had oh. the same. I had the same problem. Did you? Did you start to read something and you're like, "Oh, hell's no!" And I, no, no. I, I mean, I have it a lot theoretically sitting with me as I took on my trip, but you know how it works. Like, I just haven't had a moment. I, I figured, "Oh, I'll be able to get so much reading done at night in the hotel," but I just haven't yet. But okay. uh, the thing I did read that I did enjoy quite a bit, and uh, <clears throat> it uh, it'll go up on my shelf next to the other four volumes when and if uh, my buddy ever reads them. And returns them to me. Um, is uh, Chew vo- <laughs> Chew Volume Five? Uh, uh, Major League Chew. Oh, uh, you know this is uh, of course the wildly popular image book, uh, written by John Lehman and uh, fantastic cartooning by Rob Guillory. And uh, this uh, obviously is the fifth trade. Uh, I've been in reading this in trade from the start, and um, as uh, as some may know, it's really a story uh, unlike any other. It's a in some ways, a detective, um, you know, story where they're investigating strange goings on. But the quirk is that it's a world with when in which there was a plague that was born by uh, bad chicken, and so the world has banned chicken. And chicken is kind of like a black market thing now, almost like drugs or prohibition liquor. And um, Tony Brilliant. Chu. Uh, C-H-U, he's an Asian guy, but uh, play on words there. He is what uh, in this world is known as a sebopath, where he can, um, anything he eats, he can um, psychically imprint on its history. So like if he eats a piece of hamburger, he will see the cow eating grass in the, uh, and then getting, you know, cut open and gut it. Like he'll see the whole thing. If he eats, you know, a piece of, of, if he happens to bite into something that has a piece of human hair on it, he'll, you know, he could flash on what the human being was doing. So, um, he works for the, uh, the, uh, FDA and, um, it basically has to solve crimes with a bunch of very strange partners and characters. And in this one, um, he basically has been kicked out of his job and kind of uh, demoted to the role of uh, Segway cop. He's riding one of those little silly Segways. Uh, it's like a traffic cop. And, uh, I mean, all his, uh, his daughter, who he's pretty much not, he doesn't really have a relationship with her. His daughter is kidnapped by his arch enemy, Mason Savoy, who is also a sebopath. And rather than it going in the way you think, she becomes uh, Mason's. Um, sidekick and protege herself, so um, it's pretty much like a it's it's part it's kind of like the X Files in the sense that each 
arc has its own um, story, which is generally – it's a humor book. It's very funny. But there's a tremendous amount of, of ongoing underlying conspiracy threads that are tying together. And uh, these guys just clearly love working together. The stuff they come up with is just insane. Um, you know, it started where we were introduced to the concept of Sebopaths, and then since then there have been a lot more cr- uh, characters that have food-related powers. Like there's um, – and I don't even know how. It's it's uh, it's basically a Choco Scalper is the name of the guy. And he's basically so good at uh, sculpting chocolate that he can turn chocolate into anything. Kind of like Green Lantern can make constructs out of a ring. He can – like if he turns a chicken into a gun – I mean if he turns chocolate into a gun, he can shoot it. If he turns chocolate into a... Oh, it's like the ray. Okay. That's yeah, cool. sort of like that, right? There's an effervenductor. So that's a guy that's working as a barrister. So this this guy would basically be able to take advantage of Dap. He's a barrister, and then he can <laughs> he can write with, with in the foam of the coffee something, and then the person that drinks it will do that. So if he writes, like, kill yourself, the person will commit suicide. If he wow. says, you know, uh, rob that woman, you know, you get the drift. So it's just all these crazy, crazy things, and there's werewolves and... Rush, old Russian spy networks, and uh, it's just a wacky, fun book. Um, and Gilroy's artistic style is—it's—it's uh, it's certainly exaggerated anatomy. Um, it's almost a little bit like like Don Martin style, you know, like at times, mm. like where he's got like the longer feet, not not as not as as globular yes. as Martin, but but yeah. you know, um, but but certainly like the oversized feet and legs and and like you know limbs seem to stretch sometimes when he's trying to depict motion. Um, lots of sight gags in his work, very detailed. Just great chicken stuff. Fat. Chicken fat. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just great stuff. There's a there's a secret agent uh, attack chicken. You know, like the you know the chicken fights named Poyo, and they're actually coming out with a one shot about yep. Poyo. Um, so it's just such a fun book, and uh, you know I can't recommend it enough. And these guys have done a great job of collecting it. They're, like I said, this is the fifth trade. But also, they have come out with two what they're calling the omnivore editions. So, for those of you that like shelf pern, it's uh, it's two big hard covers that collect the first four trades. So, lots of ways to buy this thing. They're probably the only way you can't get it is trying to buy the single issues from the start because they actually are at least the first few issues are pretty pricey if you're going to try and go that route. Still, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to sell mine and get the omnivore issues because I don't care. I, yeah. I don't cotton the singles. I have them. I, that's how I buy and read the book singles. And the best is that there's a, a, a chicken food chain named Mother Cluckers. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Love it. it. It's like you were you were uh, captured by Archie Bunker there, Shelf Pern. Shelf Pern. <laughs> you like that? I love it. It's I read the funny. first uh, the first trade of it. Uh, I thought yeah. it was pretty funny. I I, uh, I haven't gone back and read any more of it, but I keep I keep meaning to. Um, I, I it sounds like the thing that I was sort of worried about. Uh, didn't happen, which was that um, it was kind of a one-trick pony, you know. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. the the gag is sort of you know just over and over again. But it sounds like they've been able to develop it to to include more than that and actually have a a pretty decent storyline. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought the same thing. I mean, the first issue or two, I, I did read singles and thought this is clever, but how far can they go with it? And then, I mean, the obvious answer then would have been, well, they, he has to expand beyond that. And he did, you know, they got away from it. And the other two, he's doing a little bit of a thing. Um, not as overt, like we're like, I know, you know, we've talked about Remender with Fury and played with a lot of different genres intentionally. I don't think that uh, Layman's not as overtly playing with genres, but he definitely is dealing with different types of, um, of, of, uh, like crime story 
So there's been an espionage aspect. There's been a more traditional solve it who done it arc. You know, there's been right. a, you know. So at least he's playing a little bit different with, veins. With, exactly. Of crime, different. Yeah. So um, and, and it does really have an X an X Files file. You know, if, if X Files were a sitcom, it does feel a lot like that sometimes. You know, because yeah. it is a humor book, but at the same point in time, like I said, there's there's the villain of the of the of the week type of moments, but then clearly there's the overarching thing of what's really going on why is chicken banned you know what's what's there's a reason for it that's beyond this plague and and so you know yeah i dig it like i said it's it's um it's the one thing i will say if you've if you meet the guys they're they're john layman is an interesting twitter follow (laughs) put it that way he uh he's a little overly obsessed with uh he needs to move because the dude tweets every day about how his uh he's got scorpions in his house and he has to kill them so cool you know, if that's the case, he must be somewhere, yeah, up there. But, yeah, New Mexico, Scorpion's so. got a sting, you know. Wild I got, I gotta say, Chew is one of the few mm. uh, monthly refuges from the uh, the commonplace as in the comic book uh, market. Uh, I can I can pick up an issue of Chew, and I know that I'm not going to get anything that is like uh, the other stuff littering the racks. It, it, it's very unique book. Um, it, there, there are no capes and cowls. None of the concerns that that drive that section of the industry. There's no crossovers. Uh, it, it, the the humor's wry. It's very inventive. Uh, it, it's like I said, it's its own little beast, and that's what I love about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, his partner John is a half cyborg um, who sleeps with all of his bosses to stand their good graces, man or woman. You know, he's he's a crazy dude, and there's. D bear, you know, there's, yeah, it's just, it's very interesting, fun characters, I think. Yeah. So. It's, it's very different. It, it, idiosyncratic. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why I embraced it because, you know me, I like the strange and the different and anything that, that can pull me out of the doldrums of the same old, same old, I'm going to, I'm going to embrace it. And, and then I, I have. Chew is really good. I always look forward to that book. You know what they say, Vince? Chew know it. Chew do. <laughs> I'm going to run long, so I don't want to go now. Shocker. Somebody else. Right? Huh? i got to get it in uh, while I can. You know well, what I'm saying? thinking of... Getting uh, refitted. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, you. Me? Yes. Oh. Um, well, speaking of weird and, and off the beaten path, um, have any of you read uh, the manga Gantz? G-A-N-T-Z? G-Z? I have a couple, but I've never read them. Um Same here. I've read the first two so far. I think there's like 33 volumes of it. Um, and I've read the first two, and it's it's very weird. Um, but I've really enjoyed it so far. Um, it's basically... Uh, it's, it, it's I don't want to give away too much of it, but uh, it starts off with these two um, uh, high school... Uh, they're not friends, but they know one another. Uh, they sort of meet up um, accidentally at a train station, and... Um, there's a, a, a like a, a homeless man who falls on the tracks, and they try to save him, but they get hit by the train. That's the beginning of the book. They they get they, hit by the train. They get hit by the train, and they wake up in this small apartment uh, in what is, I think, Tokyo, but I'm not really sure. It, it doesn't really say. Um, but they wake up in this small apartment, and there's a bunch of other people there, and they're presumably alive... But they're not really sure uh, how they got there or uh, or what's going on, and and no one else in the room 
really has any answers for them either. They're all apparently the same thing. They all died or were supposed to have died and somehow ended up in this little apartment. At the other end of the apartment is this big, um, like, five-foot-in-diameter black uh, um, sphere. And um, as the story goes on a little bit and they, they start sort of investigating it, it opens up and there's someone inside of it. Um, and it, it sort of gives them some stuff like these these briefcases with their names on it. And they have like gear inside, like guns and uniforms. And immediately once they start putting this stuff on or, or checking it out, they... Um, they are transported out of the room and into the streets uh, through a very cool um, series of drawings of, of like a... Imagine um, like a Star Trek transporter, but if it started head to toe um, and it went slow and you were able to, to see the person um, disappear uh, hmm. like layer by layer as if it cut them layer by layer. Very cool. There's just a cool effect that the, guy, that the artist was able to create. By doing this, and they so anyway, they they end up outside, and they have no idea. You still have no idea. They don't know what's going on. They don't really understand what's happening. And then one of the guys that was in the room with them ends up saying, "Hey, this is like a game show. Um, I know what's going on. It's a game show, and we have to go and hunt down these aliens um, for the game." Nice. So they don't really buy it necessarily. They're not sure, but so they start trying to find this alien, and they have an hour to do it. So it goes from there, and as the, as it goes on, and as they end up finding uh, this alien, they start to realize that this is not necessarily, they don't think it is a game show, you're not sure what it is, the, the, it just gets weirder and weirder, and like I said, I don't want to give away too much of it, so I, I don't, you know, I don't want to go into detail about the story, but it just gets weirder and weirder, stranger and stranger, and I, like I said, I've read two volumes of it, and really not sure what's going on yet, um, with it, but it's it's really entertaining and just strange and 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 you know kind of like nothing else that I've ever read, and very well illustrated. Um, it's uh, uh, it's very grotesque at times. A um, lot of blood splattering, a lot of you know mm -hmm. uh, body parts being blown off and that kind of stuff. And um, but at the same time, it's not necessarily uh, like. That, I don't want to give the impression that that's the kind of book it is necessarily. Um, it, it's kind of a weird, you're, you know, mystery. You're trying to figure out what's going on with these characters, and it almost has like a lost feel to it to some degree. Um, yeah. When you were talking about the inside of the room, I was going to ask you if Sawyer and Jack were in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's that definitely the feel that it has, and um, really cool. I it's, like I said, I think there's 33 or something volumes of it. I don't know. How, Dark Horse has the imprint. They started printing it, uh, translating it in like 2008 and I, th I don't know how many volumes they've put out so far but I've read the first two and, and it's really good it's, it's, it's just weird and strange and, and, and you know, like you were saying just something completely out of the norm that doesn't you know uh, doesn't follow any kind of guideline and I, I love that it just, I mean, it just sort of drops you into this thing and you have no idea what's going on and there's no there's no rules. I mean, you you don't know, you know, anything could show up around the corner, and it kind of does. Like, I mean, it just gets stranger and stranger as the story goes on, and I have no idea, like, 30 volumes in, what it's going to be like. I can't even imagine, um, considering how bizarre it's been just in two volumes. So, 
I so think it takes a, a, a huge gift to kick out, well, let's lowball it, 300-plus pages of, of comics, and the reader has basically no clue <laughs> what's going right. on. Yeah, no, I mean, right. other than the essentials. That, that, that's really tough to do, to, to pull a reader through that and make them want more but not really give mm -hmm. them all the breadcrumbs to get where you want them to go yet. Mm -hmm. that, it, it's, it's tough. Three hundred pages of manga. I haven't produced three hundred pages of anything in my lifetime. Yeah, right. You know, and he's on You've this person. You've probably three hundred pages of like male medical anatomy. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but we're talking by the thirty-third volume. That's a lot of pages. Wow. Yeah, it's an insane amount of work. And and you know, even in, like he was showing in in the first volume, he was sort of showing his um process for it, and he uses. Uh, you know, he he has a studio and he uses guys to do like, um, it's interesting, he does like a sketch of, the, of a page, he'll do, a, you know, thumbnails mm -hmm. of the page, then he'll hand that off to somebody to do 3D model rendering of the characters, but like really loose ones just to get the positioning, then he takes the models and then he draws them in detail, then he goes back and does 3D modeling of the backgrounds, and then goes and draws the backgrounds. Um, which I thought was pretty interesting for him to do it that way. It seems like it would, you know, almost take more time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just his process for whatever reason. I mean, not everybody can draw just, you know. So I'm guessing the that the art is somewhat more towards the realism side. I mean if you're if you're going through all that trouble with the you know 3D um, modeling No, I mean not no. No, that's the thing like you'd be you're surprisingly no. There's I mean there's these weird looking creatures in it. There's um the some of the gear that they have is very futuristic and strange and like bioorganic and it changes as they use it. So um, it's not like he's, you know, he's he's tracing, you know, or using that stuff. Um, and if you saw the the 3D rendering, it's very, I mean, it's almost like a wood mannequin. You know, it's just the basic oh, shapes. Okay. There's no detail. Just for, in it. just for blocking out the scene. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, oh. he's just using it to block out the scene. He's not. He's not. Um, he's not doing like a high detailed, you know, 3D render and then tracing it. He's he's just using it to block it out and then he's drawing on it. So no, it doesn't look. Um, you know, manic, mannequinish, or you know, ma how would you say that? Mannequin doesn't look uh, landish. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look Greg Landish, right? Um, uh, but um, it's I I I think it's actually very cool looking. I mean, he he puts a lot of energy into it, and it's um, I mean it's it's manga ish. I mean, it, it you know it's not like way out there from a lot of the other manga stuff that I've read. Um, but there's a horror aspect to it. And, and like I said, some of the bio, um, uh, you know, sort of, uh, bionic and, and organic, uh, tech that he has in it, you know, is really, um, textured and, you know, kind of weird combination of plastic and muscle and rubber and, you know, just, uh, strange looking kind of stuff. So it's not, it, yeah, it's. They love to dick with biology. Yeah, oh yeah, they, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, they, in, right. the, in their their films, especially especially when when they're working already within the genre of horror, mm-hmm. usually the horror aspect has some kind of biological slant to it. They they just mm-hmm. love to mess with DNA. What was that? What's that? Um, uh, it was it was a while ago. You had recommended um, a, a manga that was pretty horrific. I mean, oh uh, yeah, the one with the battle the, royal. No, the no. Gio, yeah, Gio. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, like, oh. that, holy good gods, there's some stuff <laughs> in that that's just like, <laughs> it's, it's wow, true. wow. I mean, you want you want to see a really nasty horror film? Uh, look up Oregon. Oregon. Organ, as in oh, body, organ, uh, okay, organ, yeah. Vince, have you seen these human centipede movies? Oh yeah, love what them. The are, what the hell are they? I don't. I've not. I've not watched. Oh no, not more than the the few images on the internet that have been out there. Same here. Yeah, you know, there is the shock value for the human centipede films, but there is a lot of really cool conceptual tinges in these things mm-hmm. no it is like the first one is a straight horror film the mm-hmm. sexual this the sexual one the second okay. one is a conceptual piece that treats the first film as an object of film like it's a completely different universe mm-hmm. meaning that the in the second film they're actual flesh and blood people who have seen the first film the first Weird. film exists yeah and the third film is is even more conceptual based on the first two it's I love the Human Centipede movies. Oh, I saw Hostel for the first time this week. Ass to ass, really? Mm-hmm. What'd you think? I didn't care for it. I like Hostel a lot. I, I just the first one. I haven't seen any of the other ones. But. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the second or third, but the first one I, I think is really, really good. I, I can this see, though, why it's like it It helps christen the whole era of this concept of like the torture, torture porn. Because it was torture like... Porn, re- right. It was pretty ridiculous like that. I mean, whew. I don't know. Like, I just felt like I was watching. It, it felt like a uh, testament to the power of a great horror special effects guy. It was like more like a, a tutorial. Look what I can do in today's filmmaking. Like, look at how look at how realistic I can I can make it seem like someone's being tortured with special yeah. effects. The women, you know what I mean? Oh, dude. The but again, there's so nothing hot, hot about a girl. So, well, to me, yeah. I mean, to hanging nude from a chain, getting sliced, her back sliced apart while another chick gets bathed in the blood. Like, there's nothing. Like, that's, that's hot. It's not a turn on? <laughs> no, that's <laughs> like, <laughs> it's stomach turning, if anything. You're kind yeah. of a freak. But, Wood, now, what the hell? What's wrong with you? <laughs> now, e- Eli Roth, I mean, he is, first of all, damn young. And he's kicking out movies like Cabin Fever and Hostel. And, and there's a very unique. He's, un- he's I mean, ginormous, yes, they, too. Yeah, I know, and they do pre- they do uh, cannibalize previous films, uh, types of films sure. in, in the horror genre. But he puts that unique spin on them that you make them really uniquely his. I love Eli Roth. I I, I didn't realize until talented. I saw him in an interview recently that uh, he was in as an actor in Glorious Bastards. Yeah, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't realize that was Eli Roth. I never really. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know much about him. He should stay behind the camera. Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's not nice. No, I'm just saying he wasn't a terrific. He's not a terrific. Right. Guy. I mean, yeah, what, no. that was not a great performance by him. No, I mean, that's true. It was it was okay, but it it was certainly was not a. Yeah. He's a better director than he is an actor. Let's say that. Same okay. as Tarantino. Yes. Yeah, I, I think Tarantino's a better actor than Roth, but well, that, based on that <laughs> one that one example, I would agree with you. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. 
I, uh, I yeah, I don't. You know, like I'm I, I'm not even into horror movies that much anymore because a lot of the horror movies that come out today is is more about the splatter kind of stuff. And I like right. scary movies. I like I like stuff that actually you know is able to frighten someone without you know necessarily. Um, using a lot of gore, that kind of thing. But I, I, I you know, the the hostel I thought was interesting. It it reminds me of sort of like you said, Vince. It's it's cannibalizing stuff from you know the seventies. That sort of underground. Um, it does. It does Texas have a Texas Chainsaw, 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 chainsaw Crackly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw and, and different films like that. Um, that were sort of uh, the the appeal appeal of them was that they were too gruesome for right. regular audiences, kind of thing. Now, was um, well, this might not be the right time to ask this since Vince is Crackly, but I was going to say, was the uh, have the new Halloweens been made by Rob Zombie? Yes. Yes. Okay, because I saw those recently too. What did uh, I saw the first one? I, I yeah, I, uh, I mean they, how, they were how they many seemed did pretty. He make? How many are there? Well, there's been two, right? Yeah. I think. Oh, two. Okay. I think they're. I mean, they, again, they were fairly. I was curious to see what they would be like because, I guess, I'd known Rob Zombie's being pretty out there, at least you know in some of his other stuff. So, but they weren't really. I don't know. They struck me as not all that dissimilar from, like the old ones. You know what I mean? Like, in the, I mean, they weren't. With the caveat that everything in today's day and age is more explicit, because that's kind of the way right. that they're making these films now. But I didn't think it was like really out there. It just was pretty much like a, a remake, you know, where they dealt a little bit more with with Michael Myers' childhood and like why he was who he was, which I thought was kind of a little bit wasted because I don't know, like it's not really important whether or not his mom neglected him or that, whether or not he was a psych- you know what I mean? Like he he just is right. Like he's kind of well, a force I think, of nature. When you start or like examining that thing you kind of diminish it you know like Michael yeah exactly that's what i mean like he spent a lot There's of time no mystery. showing him as a kid and like kind of making you think like it, if if certain things didn't go a certain way maybe he wouldn't have turned out this way and i'm thinking well but once you're to the point where this guy's literally like a force of nature and supposed to just scare everybody and can basically take bullets and keep walking it's it's no longer really relevant to the to the scariness of whether or not he had what his motivation was to become a psychopath, right? It's not right. right. Like if you're if you're making a movie about a serial killer or something like that, like then their motivation I think, can be really fascinating because you know then you're like because it's it, still within the realm of believability. But when you're dealing with a a movie monster for intents and purposes, I mean, no, he's supposed to be human, but he's this gigantic, you know, at least in the in the Rob Zombies, even more than the old ones, he's this gigantic, almost professional wrestler sized kid who can feel no pain is a complete sociopath doesn't doesn't feel emotion so it's just like he's not really well, and i think that's the mistake that he made going into it using that sort of variation of the character you know because if you go to the original halloween he was big and he was terrifying and he was powerful but he wasn't necessarily supernatural i mean he you know at the very end he's shot and spoiler he you know he disappears <laughs> so there's a certain uh supernatural um element to it at the end but it's 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 ambiguous you know what yes. i mean it's 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 not just you know shown it's not explained to you and that's what made it cool but he wasn't you know then as the films went on you know he became this you know supernatural monster you know more and more than than just a a psychopathic killer, which is really yes. what he was in the in, in the first couple of films. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but for Silver so Zombie to then go back and go, okay, well, I'm going to go to the origin of it, but not really go to the origin of it, go to 
the fourth, you know, incarnation right. uh, of the character, and then try and tell the origin of that character seems a little odd. You know, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know why? Am I okay? Yes. Yep. You know yes. why those movies were made, right? Why which movies uh, were made? The, the the Rob Zombie Halloweens. I assume because Rob Zombie. Because because them. Rob Zombie could. Right, he, yeah, he, wanted, he you know he's right. he's a huge horror fan and he's progressed in his career to the point where his name is now a brand and and everybody knows what that brand brings. If you saw uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects, you know that uh, Rob Zombie is a very extreme person who likes to you know stick his finger in the wound and and twiddle it around <laughs> a little bit and and that's he just he just brought his brand to Halloween. It's, it's but to that end, definitely though, not a better that, movie than the original. Not even well, close. Oh but no. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, to that end, I, uh, I, I saw Devil's Rejects. I didn't see House of a Thousand Corpses. But, but, um, but to that end, though, that's kind of my point. Like, I didn't think... Maybe I'm misremembering, but I, I didn't think that his Halloween movies were akin All that, to the devil. Like, I didn't think they were... Devil's like, Reject is way more, like, shocking and... and yeah, exactly. Like, you, I don't you, think you, he really did anything in these movies that... You don't think? Um, did you see the uncut ones? How oh, about how about not. how about the dude in the strip club? I mean, he pulps that guy's head, and and you know you see it. it is, yeah, but it, I don't see. I don't find that to be that. Yeah, like, I agree. Well, I that's mean, a, that's a crucial element to zombies films, or is extreme violence. Yeah, but I think to me, like I think it's more interesting when he is. It's not the extreme violence. It's the characters that are creating that. Like I love the characters that he creates that are violent, and sort oh. of the, you know, why are they violent as opposed to the fact that they're doing strange, you know, acts of violence. You but know, you, what I mean? you like really that. don't know why Captain Spaulding's violent. I mean, he's just no, he's just crazy. He, no, but he gives you enough uh, flavor with Captain Spaulding. Like you start get, and that kind of goes back to the point we were saying about. Like when you start examining it, it takes away the mystery and the intrigue of it. It gives you enough where you start thinking, "Well, God, where is this guy from?" You know, Captain Spaulding obviously he's from the South. He was a clown. You know what I mean? You you start coming up with the stuff in your head, and that's what makes that character more interesting. I think is that yeah, I there's agree. Enough flavor there. There's enough uh, weirdness and flavor there to to give you the ingredients to 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 kind of make the rest of it in your head and mm. and when you start to really examine that stuff i think it takes away from it i think you know but when you pull back even further and and what you said is very important to to the character of captain spaulding right but step back a little bit more all of the ingredients in house of a thousand corpses are everything rob zombie loves there's the, there's the the horror host aspect uh, in in Captain Spaulding, there's the carnival clown aspect, <laughs> the 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 horror films in general, slasher films. I mean, the character of Baby was included in there for no other reason than to put his wife in the damn movie, right? I, I, yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's a movie it, to to separate it in, into two aspects. It's a story, right? Of course, it's a story, a film story about these characters, but ultimately, it's just. A slice of Rob Zombie. That this is all he he cares about. It's it's a heavy heavy metal horror host rock and roll slasher monster Saturday movie. I mean, for adults, obviously, with his wife in it. <laughs> uh, you you can't really pull Zombie out of that movie because it's him. That, right. That, that's his his deal. It's his his whole shtick. Uh, even no, on stage. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I I guess I just kind of I think that there's 
there's potential for him to do more than just that. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's got, right. he does have really cool ideas and, and some of the stuff he does, I think is, is really good. And I think he did a commercial for, I think he's Clorox or Calgon or something. And, and it's, it looks like a Rob Zombie movie. There's this hooded guy. It's filmed in grainy sepia tones and, and it looks like maybe somebody's getting tortured and it's, there, there's really quick jump cuts in the film. I mean, his stuff is, it's homogeneous. It's it's it all flows from that same well. Whereas, uh, let's let's look at comics, right? Uh, Will Eisner did a bunch of different things. Jack did a bunch of different things. I mean, other than the, if you couldn't tell who drew it by the art and you went by the storylines, right? You'd have a hard time. That's stupid. That's a stupid example because if you didn't have the art, you wouldn't be able to see it, right? <laughs> well, so no, I mean, writers. Else, somebody just, else drew it. If if somebody, right. I mean, someone just, else drew all those stories. Like Alan Moore just has his his gnarly hands in a bunch of different pies, right? There's science fiction, mm-hmm. there's pulps, there there's there's classic fairy tales, there's horror. I mean, he does a, a science fiction, he does a lot of things really well. If if you didn't see Alan Moore on the cover, you'd have an inkling maybe that the the master wrote this, but ultimately Only it's such a high quality though. Right. Right, but ultimately it it's without a name, it's difficult. You can look at a Rob Zombie movie and you know exactly where that damn thing is from. No, absolutely, and I think I think the same like a Tim Burton film is pretty easy. Exactly, sure. yeah, right, like, right. Yeah, Tim Burton, same yep. thing. But that's just, like I I keep hoping that there's more because at some point it's sort of like it's it's a, it's that it's a shtick. You know what yeah, I mean? Like it is, you're not creating is. anything original. It's you you got the shtick, and as well as like Burton does it, I think you know, and he I think he's pushed, I I think he's pushed his own envelope, you know, here and there and in different places and. You know, but ultimately, like it always comes back to you know that same, mm-hmm. you, you know, strange, unique. I guess it's you know it's not it's unique to him, but it, it, that right. strange look of his that um, you know we, I think some of us could probably point out some of his influences. But um, I, I always just keep hoping that he's going to push beyond that. Yeah, me too. Y- yeah, you I'm know? with you. I mean, it's sort of bringing this back to comics. It, it's like this. I, I remember an interview with. Uh, with Jim Lee one time, and and uh, basically he was saying that uh, you know one of the things you don't think about when you're coming up in 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 the business of being a cartoonist is that uh, you you hope that you're popular and become recognized, but you're a little bit burdened by that once you become popular enough because if you change that's your style, right. you know people are like, dude, that's not the Jim Lee I yeah. came to know. And so you, and he said, but if you're artistic, you want to, most artists want to continue to push themselves and evolve. Mm -hmm. And yet when you're in commercial art, that's often difficult to really do because you be, you be, you establish a brand, your style is part of your brand. And so it's expected that, you know, when someone's going to see a Kevin Smith film or they're going to buy a Jim Lee comic or they're going to read a Stephen King novel, that there are expectations to that, fair or not. And if it, if it veers away from that, you know, I guess in some cases you could probably find some examples where that's worked really well, but in a lot of cases people are like, oh, I don't know, that's not like the, that's not like the version I'm used to, you know. Right. So it's tricky. No, absolutely. It, it is. It, and with Lee, you know, it's funny that you wrote up Jim Lee. Like, I, I, it's in one of the Hundred Bullets books. I can't remember which issue. It might be issue fifty. There's a bunch of pinups, and there's a Jim Lee pinup he did of Lono. Um, and it's in a different style than we're used to seeing Jim Lee. It's it's sketchier and looser and uh, 
And it just, I mean, if you didn't know it was Jim Lee, I don't think you, you would have a hard time telling that it was him. Um, and I love it. And it's just fantastic. I'm like, why? And I remember when I first saw it, I'm like, why doesn't he do more of this? Why doesn't he draw more like this? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, yeah, like you said, I mean, he, he, he when you when somebody pays to buy a Jim Lee book or is looking for a Jim Lee piece of art or whatever it is, there's a Jim Lee look, and that's what they want. And, right. And you know what I mean? I guess I was exactly very... going to say because the Jim Lee, Jason's word, cachet, doesn't include that. But it could right. in, it could include that. He could he could make his. Yeah, I think it's. Well, t- he, I think he it's tried very something different with Deathblow. He was doing that Frank Miller Sin City style. Yeah, but yeah. that yeah that True. was that was uh, an, I don't know what you want to call it, but you could tell he was really enamored with Frank Miller's style. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which wasn't his. I mean, it was just him aping somebody else, right? But that's that's the whole thing. When you become popular for a certain thing, you're bound by that certain thing in in a in a to a large respect, uh, because that's how you made your name, right? Yeah. And, and, I'm, and, and you got people like Brian Hitch, who you know, an Alan Davis clone initially, and then he kind of became his own type of look. And now he's got something not quite Neil Adamsy, but it's it's just a right, little. Right different and i mean i'm not i'm a fan of his older stuff and and same thing with with jeremy the jr i mean his his style has changed I mean, from amazing spider-man to his first run on uncanny x-men to things over the years and kick ass and now, to finish stuff right right you know and then and kick ass and now avx things like, so i mean we've we've seen seen some artists change but then you have something like jim lee and it's it kind of especially when he's pretty much always paired with scott williams the guy who's drawing who drew Uncanny X-Men, and then the adjectiveless X-Men, and then, you know, uh, uh, Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. I mean, that's that's that same guy, and, and same thing with Hush. It's like, that's just, that's what you expect. And, and you know, so, but you get, it's, see, it's, it, I don't know why, I mean, I, I, I want to see that Lono piece, and I don't know why somebody like, like Jim Lee Maybe that's just he's more comfortable. I, I don't know why. What makes Jim Lee different than Hitch or or Ramita Junior. or or well, or someone well, like Alan Davis? I think, I think Ramita Junior. Though um, you're right, his style has evolved, but but he also know. kind of refers to it as like a deadline style. He just he needs to draw that way just to get the book done. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, oh, okay. You know, it's a good example that uh, maybe that um, Paolo Rivera, right? So Paolo Rivera. Because the way he used to basically paint everything, yes, couldn't he? He only could do covers and the occasional, um, you know, long form project like uh, Spider Man, um, like Mythos, uh, myth, yeah, Mythos. And I remember even hearing him on a podcast or or, or listening to it something. He he was just talking about how he was he basically could only do I think like effectively like three interior issues a year if he in his painting style. So he basically came to the conclusion of well. If I want to make a living at this, beyond like, and you know, I need to change. So he he evolves his style to a much different, a totally different approach to illustration. And at least based on what I can gather from people that are, you know, certainly by the accolades he gets for his Marvel work, it's 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 certainly been to his benefit. I mean, people love his new style, and it pays the bills, right? So I think part of it too is 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 fear. I mean, I think no matter. And maybe even when you are more successful, it's it's that fear of losing what you have. But I think every artist, no matter how accomplished they are, is afraid 
at some level, and I don't, I couldn't tell you how many comic book artists that I've talked to over the years that have said in in private, and you know, to me, it's like, hey, I'm just waiting for somebody to figure out that I'm, you know, a hack and I'm full of shit, and you know, they're paying me and they shouldn't be. You know what I mean? It, I th- and, right. and 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 these are you know some of the 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 biggest name guys, the most popular, the best selling guys in comics, and it's always that fear of like. You know, of like, when are they going to figure out that I'm just, I'm really just flying by the seat of my pants at this, and I don't know what I'm doing, because that's, I think, I don't think that ever ends. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think, no matter how good you get at something, at at creating art, you are always dealing with that fear that what you're doing is, um, is terrible, and someone's going to figure that out. And I think, you know, when you're successful and you're doing something and you're doing a certain style and it's been successful then to sit there and go well I'm going to I'm going to now change this because I want to expand myself artistically I think that takes a lot of balls for someone to be able to do sure. when they're sitting yeah. there you know paying for their mortgage and their kids and whatever else doing something and they're being successful at it because that's what you you know what I mean like that's what these guys have worked for for so mm-hmm. long anyway it's like I'm ju- I'm just trying to be successful at, at being an artist so now I am so now I'm going to all of a sudden go and try something experimental and put it out there and see if people like it or not and who knows like all and and that could be that one thing that goes and ends my freaking career you know what I mean like and, and even though realistically What's funny though is, is yeah and I get what you're saying but I think that the the irony though is that for someone like a Jim Lee or you know I don't know whoever, like a Walt Simonson or whoever, you know, for like the legends, like I think they could they they could get away with it, right? Like like Simonson's got that long awaited DC OGN coming out uh, this month that was in previews. Yeah, you know, like if that was a completely different style than the Simonson we've all known for thirty years, um, it might. Let's say it, it didn't. People didn't resonate with it and it didn't sell. It's not going to change Walt Simonson's life or career trajectory. You know what I mean? Like he could take the risk, whereas like, you know, I could see someone like let's say, I don't know, um, just because we know like like Mike Norton or Jamal Igel when they were under contract, like, I could see them being fearful that like if I just do a completely different style, like it may end my my my, my run. You know, because because they don't they're still sort of in the they're trying to get themselves established as, as as individuals beyond just, you know, being people that are known by, you know, those of us who are tight in the industry, you know, as being people that do good work, you know what I mean? Right. Like, but it's like you're Jim Lee, like, dude, if you do something totally wacky, like, yeah, you might get some criticism, but people, are, if as long as you go back to your old style, the next book, people are still gonna be all over it, even if they hate what you just did. Yeah, but that criticism I, is the hard, is harder than the the, I think, is tougher to deal with than the potential of loss of revenue. You know what I mean? Like, putting, you know, like creating something and putting your name on it and putting it out there in the world is fucking terrifying uh for for these guys and and I don't think that ever changes. I think you know no matter how accomplished they get there's still that little piece of them that is always sort of telling, you know, telling them. I think it it comes with being an artist. Like there's always that little piece of just saying it's not right, it's not good, it's terrible, you're a phony, you're a, you know what I mean? Like that's always there. It'll never go away and I think that's just part of being an artist to some degree. And I think the criticism is sometimes more difficult for these guys, especially when you get to a level of a Jim Lee whose ego has been stroked beyond anything we could ever imagine for the last 30 years. 
Mm-hmm. To right. then put yourself in a position to be criticized is maybe tough to do. I think comfortability is is a, a big part of some of it because uh, who wants to get out of a cushy chair, right? Sure. It feels, sure. It feels really good. But knowing what I do about trying to come up with some kind of unique graphic voice, um, it's kind of like World of Warcraft, right? Um, when you sit down, not World of Warcraft, the, the other, the, the regular Warcraft. When you sit down for the first time in front of that game and you have a couple of peons and you're trying to build your, your city that works, you're, you're trying to produce something of value, which means, you know, if you've ever played the game, you gotta mine your gold, you gotta build your buildings, you gotta get all these forces together, and you get them to a point, and it takes a long friggin' time. You get all your forces to a point where you have this potent, viable thing that can go out and get attention from other people, do you really want to knock it all down and start all over? Right, right. Yeah, it's, you've worked so friggin' hard to get this unique voice, and someone comes up to you and says, well, why don't you stretch your muscles a little bit? Because my machine pretty much works. You know, like, I could see Jim, I could see Jim Lee saying, um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, I get people reaching around all the time, and and they just like what I'm doing. But for a pinup, yeah, maybe I'll switch it up. I, you know, I, I, who can say unless you're in the the mind of of that person? Mm-hmm. It's like J. Scott Campbell. He's been been playing the same riff for for <laughs> freaking decades, but yeah. people buy his books with his covers on them. I mean, I don't think he he's done much sequ- uh, sequential work since since. Uh, uh, Danger Girl, right? But I mean, he kicks out covers and and they well, move. And I bet a lot of these guys probably do experiment quite a bit behind closed doors. They mm-hmm. just don't That's share it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I bet every one of them on some, you know, somewhere is is trying something different and looking. You know, because they all watch what other guys are doing, and you you know everybody, you know every sure. artist is a fan of art and 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 looking at what other people are doing or <clears> or going back and seeing what people did in the past. And so I'm sure guys are always experimenting and trying stuff, but Mm-hmm. Doing that in your studio and you know and never showing anyone the page as opposed to you know all of a sudden putting out a book that you're being paid to do and exp- and taking a chance that you know people may or may not like it you know that's a huge difference you know? right right I I remember back in the day uh, I still am but uh, in the glory days of of Zot. When when um, Scott McCloud was was really making a name for himself, I mean, I adored Zot. Uh, it, it, totally unique voice, uh, but back then. And then Zot was over, and I followed McCloud to the things that he did. Understanding comics, wow, this is great stuff. This guy really knows what's going on. And then he put out the Adventures of Abraham Lincoln. Which was totally removed from everything he's done before. There was computer rendering in it for the backgrounds. The, the, the figure drawing was unlike the stuff he did in Zot and, and Understanding Comics. And I was like, what in the frig is this? I felt, <laughs> right. I felt so let down and so not cheated, but bamboozled that, that the person I thought I was going to get when I bought that book was not yeah. what I got. And, and I always use that as an example of, you know, be careful what you wish for. Because, <laughs> because no, you're right, you're right. Might you could get, get an Abraham Lincoln. You know, yeah. uh, no. have you, it's a nasty, nasty book. It's, and it's not, it, the, my, my initial reaction was because it was unlike his Zot work, but right. I've, I've revisited the book many times since then. It's just a bad book. 
I mean, I don't know what he was thinking with the computer, uh, the CAD drawing for the backgrounds and yeah, shit. That's, yeah, it was that. That's what he was. I mean, that's that was his goal was to do computer assisted drawing and it is. But you know, it, it's true. I mean, it, people did hate it. I mean, with with the capital H when that thing came out. Yeah, so. and for just cause. All right. Uh, do we have any anything to say on this? Because I just I want to get this in because I, I want Sal to see that. Do your this, thing. This may be something that would uh, pique his interest because it's different. It's very different. All right, make it clap. Uh, it's a bo- it. it's a book called Sammy the Mouse. It, it it was conceived, written, drawn, and printed by Mr. Zach Sally at his uh, Lamano Twenty One Company on a temperamental two color AB Dick ninety eight ten offset press. Uh, Sally bought. An offset press, and and and, and uh, troubleshoots it and rebuilds it when it when wow. it needs to be, and he prints the damn thing himself. And this, this book was, uh, well, the original edition of this series was published by uh, by in single issues by Fantagraphics uh, under in their oversized upscale Ignatz imprint. You've, I'm sure you've mm-hmm. seen those books. Mm-hmm. Uh, this collection of the three issues previously published by Fanographics uh, is significantly smaller. Uh, the size of the, the newly published edition is 6 by 8, whereas the Ignatz line ran 8.5 by 11. So, I mean, but this is a much more manageable and affordable format because each of the Ignatz issues were seven ninety five. That's $24 for the, the, the uh, edition impaired. Uh, but Zach is only charging fourteen dollars for the whole handmade shebang. So he had a Kickstarter for this book, and uh, he said, "You know, I, I realize this was published by Fantagraphics. I just want to get it all under one cover. I want to print it myself." He he bought an AB Dick ninety eight ten offset press, and, and uh, part of the deal was he likes the hands on approach. He 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 collated the paper himself and and shuffled it you know how you have to in, in printer in printing you have to rif- rifle through the paper because the the static electricity that builds up sometimes does not bode well when you're trying to send pages through the, the a printing press uh he he printed it himself he put the the finished printed pages in his vehicle and actually drove them to the bindery had them bound drove them back to his his place um he uh, you know, covered them and 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 uh, stacked them on his shelves. I mean, it's a total homegrown operation in Lamano Twenty One, all hands on. Um, so so it's the uh, the actual book is not the edges aren't even trimmed. The 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 trailing edges are not trimmed. So you get this really neat deckled faux deckled kind of jaggedy edge on the, on the pages it has a, a beautiful textured heavy uh, stock cover it's printed in two colors because it's a two color press it looks like a a slaty cyan and there's a there's a brownish kind of ruddy brown to it it's a totally unique looking book and it has a french end flap on the back cover which is very cool but um he claims the complete tale will encompass 400 to 500 pages. So this book, uh, coming in at 96 story pages with uh, some other content in there, it's, it's over 100 pages, um, is but a glimpse into Sammy the Mouse's strange world. And wow, strange doesn't even begin to cut it. Uh, this book, 
resides uh, comfortably in the same conceptual space as Al Columbia's Pim and Francie, it's weird. It, it's it's very strange. Uh, the 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 titular character lives in a gloomy coastal town where where buildings kind of list and buckle as, as if they're being compressed by this gigantic weight beyond the limits of the top of the panels in which they're depicted or, or the buildings will sag and bend kind of like they were fashioned out of crumpled paper and like smoothed out it it's a very again unique looking town there's very little straight lines uh, and in the heart of the city, crisscrossed with like elevated roads and snaking bridges, the, the buildings are the row houses are so compressed, and and they're all mismatch of mismatched sizes and and elevations. It, it it looks like a row of neglected teeth, like just this. It, I don't want it, there. There's not a hint of decay, but it just looks like a disheveled, haphazard, uh, scattershot just. Very cool place to live, but mm-hmm. um, looks like a mouth with a southern accent. I, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, Sammy lives a solitary existence in a small, dreary, domed domicile, or so it would appear. See, one day Sammy's solitude is shattered by a knock on the door. And and the interruption he planned to avoid by pretending he wasn't at home, uh, it's a decision that is ultimately swayed at the insistence of an omniscient off-panel entity. This is where, I mean, page two, the the weirdness is just zero to 60. Boom, you're right in this story. You got a character sitting at a kitchen table or what passes for one, playing with an action, action figure with like a pull string, you know, um, you pull it and the damn thing talks. He's just sitting there by himself having a good time. Door, The knock on the door says to himself, I'm not going to answer that goddamn thing. And a dialogue bloom just like kind of floats down from the top of the panel and tells him, you know what? I think you really should answer that door. And he seems to, to be okay with this. He seems to know either the who or the what this, this thing is. And, and, and he back and forths with this someone or something that tells him answering the door is very important so he does he answers the door reluctantly and it's a person with which he is none too friendly uh um uh, a thing named hg feeks which is is a cross between a duck and an alcoholic peg-legged version of abraham lincoln Complete with with a beard and a and a, a very tall stovepipe hat. I mean, it's freaky looking, right? And Feeks has one goal in life, which is maintaining his inebriation. The duck loves to drink. Nice. Hey, he loves to get shit faced drunk. That's all he does, right? Uh, and he needs Sammy's help in buying medicine, actually whiskey, because. Well, he's drunk. He's a big ass drunk duck. Can't can't go shopping on his own, so he takes his his, his what he thinks is his friend Sammy out, and let's go buy some alcohol. And it's a jaunt during which the pair cross paths with Sammy's friend, Puppy Boy, anthropomorphic dog boy, um, which is a character prone to seizures, a- and they find him in the, in on the floor, 
eyes rolled back his, uh, his tongue is hanging out and 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 something is is wrong with him so so feeks attacks the problem with the very thing he attacks all problems with he he pours alcohol down down puppy boy's um throat and the the dog revives and and the adventure begins and it, it's not so much a story as it is a glimpse into a couple hours uh, in the existence of these really strange characters that populate this very weird setting, and it, it's, I, I've been, I've read that it's people have uh, perceived it as horrific and scary and uh, just unsettling, but I think it's hysterical. I mean, the, 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 it, it's one one of the genuinely funny books i've read in in recent memory i mean the characters are just oddball and and the things they say um feeks is is really quick to anger uh, for no other reason than because he's drunk and and um one of the local bars uh it's called the baby bar mm -hmm. uh, for good reason because it's a gigantic literally a, gig a gigantic hollowed out diapered baby hilarious in the middle like of the, the, uh, in, it's like the sentinel head that was the guardians of the galaxy yeah in, in the middle of this town there's a gigantic baby with a door in its ass right and and they walk in the door and the interior of the structure is enclosed by a gigantic rib cage and 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 it's supported by a, a, a an immense spinal column right and, and the barkeep is this surly eye-patched bunny named pat Right, one doesn't want to tick a, tick off. Right, one doesn't want to pick tick off Pat, but that's exactly what Feeks does. And and get this, this, I mean, I think just this, this is hysterical. So you have a drunk, peg legged Abraham Lincoln looking duck, right? And he sh totally shit faced. And, and and they're like, dude, don't be loud because you're gonna piss off Pat, and he's not gonna like it. He's like, what's that? Do I hear a tough rabbit? A tough rabbit with a smart mouth? You think you're so clever and smart, don't you? Right? And it keeps going. Hippity hoppity, I'm such a smart fucking rabbit. Look at me, I'm so soft and flurry and clever. And the type, the, as he goes on, Sally renders the type increasingly larger. It says, La-dee-da, I'm a raft-building, buck-toothed, nail-pounding, never-giving feeks, goddamn bar credit, fluffy-tailed, carrot-eating shit bunny. And the rabbit picks up a hammer and hammers a nail into the duck's forehead. <laughs> it's, it's totally off-kilter, and he just screams, it hurts, it hurts, and he just runs away. What the hell is going on here, right? I mean, it's, uh, some of the things you'll encounter in this book, uh, Puppy Boy is involved in a secret project. We don't know what it is. What is it? Who knows, right? But Puppy Boy seems to be visited by either the same omniscient off-panel, um, I don't want to say narrator, but character as as Sammy or or a variation thereof because he's told to do things. And these characters just listen to, to, to this omniscient character and in many cases when the omniscient character speaks and Sally does this really cool way he'll layer dialogue balloons like you can see part of what the omniscient character is telling the the, the quote real character to say and their dialogue balloon is laid on top of it and it's the same sentence so it's like they're feeding them almost controlling them and making them do things right mm -hmm. um, Against his will, Sammy goes on an alcohol-fueled picnic with the enchanting Miss Linda. 
a bucktooth woman with a paste-on mustache because she believes it makes her more exotic-looking. <laughs> she professes to have history with Sammy, but Sammy claims he's never met her before, doesn't know who she is. She knows Feeks, but she doesn't know this, this teardrop-shaped, razor-toothed humanoid who everyone seems to know but her. And, and Sammy's like, you don't know him? This guy's everywhere. And he has a penchant for mischief. So he sneaks up on Feeks and Sammy and, and, and Puppy Boy and, and fires a gun, which causes Feeks to vomit uncontrollably. It, it's hysterical. You see the, the three characters just stand there, and they're going about their, you know, they're, they're doing their thing, and the guy sneaks up on them, fires a gun, and the duck vomits. And it's a full-page splash panel of a duck vomiting. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is my jam, man. Um, and, and, and what's really cool is the gun is fired in the first chapter. This collects, <clears throat> like I said, all three of the the Ignatz issues. So in chapter one, the gun is fired, and it's the slowest bullet in comic book history because by chapter three, the damn thing is still in the air. Where's the bullet going? Why is the bullet in the air for so long? Who the hell knows? You don't have to know. It's just. It's just very strange. Um, the man, what's really neat is because Zach printed this himself, right, on the AB Dick. Many of the pages are off register, and uh, I really? don't, I don't, slightly, some are slightly You're off register. It's on? I, that's what I'm saying. Uh, some are slightly off register. Others have shifted significantly, like the blue or the brown brown plate that's the beer is nudged a bit right which and it creates this somewhat soft focus to the line work uh, whereas on other pages the clarity is razor sharp mm -hmm. uh, so this the off register pages they they kind of add to the ghostly otherworldly atmosphere of sammy's world as, as if portions of the events occur maybe in an alcohol fueled haze right and and that's one of the major I don't want to say themes, but the one of the one of the the preeminent desires of a lot of these characters is to get shitfaced drunk. Sammy just wants to drink. The duck just wants to get totally inebriated, right? Um, it, which is fitting because I mean it, it goes in with the with the the wants of the characters that that the envelope which encompasses them is kind of like this alcohol haze. It, it's I can't say for sure whether it was intended. It may just be Sally's. Um, uh, not monumental experience with this printing press, and 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 we are privy to the 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 baby steps he's taking with it. I don't know, but I mean, it looks real good to me. It's just that as you're going through this, you'll see that some pages are a little bit more clear than other. None of them are, are on the blurry side, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but one of the things that really excited me with this book, and it's almost like an offhand sequence, um, a character appears in this world, a character that was not created by Zach Sally, but created by longtime uh, underground cartoonist Kim Deitch. And it's Kim Deitch's signature character, Waldo the Cat. Um, and if you've read any of Deitch's work, uh, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, or any of the Mishkin books, uh, uh, Ted Mishkin was an animator uh, for uh, way back in the day of, of what, like the first cartoons uh, called Fontaine Fables. He was an animator. And um, long story short, his career did not turn out well. Uh, and whenever Mishkin would drink, 
he would see uh, what he thought was uh, a real manifestation of his character, Waldo the Cat, right? So Waldo the Cat makes an appearance in this story and physically interacts with Sammy, bumps him as he's walking by. And this one little event, right, calls into question the very nature of this reality in this in this book. If, if a character that's produced by a, a, a fictitious, fictional characters inebriation can appear in this reality so to say what 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 does it make it is is this this whole off-kilter uh, conglomeration of anthropomorphic though oddly human animals and grotesque nightmarish beasts is this all an alcohol fueled nightmare you don't know I mean, it would lend one to think that if Waldo the damn cat is in it, right? But another thing, there's another character in here that wasn't created by Zack Sally, and it's uh, Pulke the Frog, which was created by Jim Woodring. If you've read anything by Jim Woodring, you know that that stuff operates on a totally different level. That that reality is nothing like the commonplace. So that character appears in here too. What's going on? Is this universe of of Sammy the Mouse? induced by substances is is this a, a fever dream what is it you don't know it's only 96 pages in like like sal's manga this is only the tip of the iceberg what, what the hell is going on here you need to read it because i'm sure you'll have many questions but ultimately i felt that that this Sammy the Mouse story, it, it, it's so natural and so organic and the characters are so goddamn real to me, it, it seems like the work is channeled more than crafted, as if Sally's like merely a conduit between this claustrophobic world and the hand-printed page. Obviously, it's not true, right? But, but the feeling is ultimately a testament to Sally's formidable talents as a comic book craftsman, that he can definitely delineate this world, right, and make it seem so damn real. There was a point early in the book where the characters stopped being collections of like lines and marks and on paper and became real to me, flesh and blood creatures. He's really convincing. Um, it, it's not stayed by the number stuff. I mean, these characters are animated. You will believe that there is a Sammy the Mouse somewhere in existence. I mean, facial features. Sally is a is a master cartoonist. The facial features are the the heart and soul of this book. The emotions coming out of the characters, you will believe them. Uh, fear, anger, jealousy, um, confusion. It's all there, and he does it with so few lines. It's crazy. I wish I was this good. I do. Uh, I think he's a genius. And maybe you will too after you've read this. But you, I, I, no matter what I say, you cannot even approximate what this book is like unless you dive in yourself. Um, like I said, ninety-six pages, fourteen bucks. It's cheap. Um, it's a singular work uh, uh, of genius, and and it's the, that line between disturbing and amusing, at least for me, is very blurry. And and this book is just lousy with that that emotional trigger that induces nervous laughter you know when you get in a situation like oh grandma shit her pants and 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 you just got you, you got a giggle you know what i mean but it's not it's not something you want to laugh at it's very disturbing and 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 unsettling grandma shit her pants but it's funny right that's it's, that's yeah, it's pretty funny actually like, that's like the, the boy seizures 
that's right that's the thread that runs through this book it's it's fueled with that that emotional thing that it, it makes us laugh in the face of unsettling uncomfortable uh stimuli i, I love it I, you please if you want to try something really different totally out there try sammy the mouse by zach sally hey vince do you th- did you um I, I haven't read the book but i did actually look up uh, zach sally's website and he has a bunch of pages on there yeah. of it and um uh, it was interesting to me like i mean sammy obviously to me, to me it looks like you know a mickey mouse sort mm-hmm. of you know exactly looking mickey mouse kind of character and then the like duck. a humanoid version of mickey mouse yeah and and some of the other characters in there you know not maybe not solely disney characters but like you know the abraham lincoln duck kind of reminded me of, of scrooge mcduck in some ways and mm-hmm. um you know the, the bugs bunny rabbit you know bartender kind of thing but i uh, I mean, uh, puppy boy kind of looks like Goofy. In a, in, in, yeah, in, he, he kind of mimics the the uh, the kind of um, actions that Goofy. I mean, he's prone to seizures. Uh, Goofy was always getting knocked around and falling down, and I mean, mm-hmm. it, it could be a tongue in cheek take on on the Disney characters. Well, I just wonder, like, if, if it, you know, because you're talking about the other um, sort of famous underground, you know, characters that show up in it. You know, is he creating like this? You know, well, I'm rereading the Sandman, um, Neil mm-hmm. Gaiman's Sandman, and in that, you know, in, in like the third or fourth issue of that, um, he runs into the uh, the brothers Cain and Abel at the House of Mystery, and right. they're in the the land of Nod, um, uh, you know, which you know, like the the his land of dreams kind of thing. I'm wondering if this is like some sort of weird land of cartoons, you know, like l- weird land of, of where these all these strange... Um... <clears throat> well, if you think about it, uh, not having read the story, but based on what I told you, the source of the inebriation is a what? It's a child, right? Right. And, and, and the child is at the heart of this city. And these characters entered the child to get shit-faced drunk, to have their minds altered. So... I, I don't have enough information to base any kind of opinion on where this could be going, but judging by the first three books, there may be a lot of subtext to this. <laughs> I don't think there's too much maybe. Uh, right, the, the, right. I, well, there's one part that's I, I don't want to interpret it. I'll take a shot, but Sammy is... is um, He's he's in the midst of these roiling clouds, like these huge undulating black clouds, and there's beams of light piercing through the clouds, and he's walking, and the light that is emitting from these 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 holes is following him, and, and, and at one point point the the clouds part right, and, and you see what could be the sun or the moon, maybe I would say the moon. This gigantic hand comes down from the clouds and it's it's pointing its finger and it just mashes sammy's face and that's when he wakes up could that be the hand of god could it be the hand of the cartoonist interacting with with, right yeah i you 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 don't know at this point i mean there's really not enough information to 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 really suss out what the hell's going on here but wow it's so enjoyable to visit this place it's it's just crazy 
yeah, and it, I I want people Jesus. to read this. Cause, no, because I want to see if if people find this as hysterical as I did. Some of the things that come out of these characters' mouth, I really had to put the book down. It's like this is too goddamn funny. Um, there's one section where Sammy wants to clean his bathroom, and he's almost begged by the off, omniscient character from above not to do it. And when you look at his bathroom, it's a filthy, disgusting mess. On the wall, there's a a photo. And it's Dick Briefer's Frankenstein in the photo. So so you have fictional characters. This thing is riddled with them. And what does it mean? I don't know. I don't know yet. But I'm I'm damn sure gonna gonna follow this story. I, I I've haven't been this entertained in, in, in weeks, if not months. It's just unbelievably good. Wow. Yeah. Sammy the Mouse, Lamano twenty one, fourteen bucks. I'll put the link. You, I have a video of Zach Sally just talking about his process and shit. He's a mu- musician. He's a printer. He's a cartoonist. The guy does a lot of different stuff. When you hear him speak about cartooning, so passionate. And you could tell. It's in the work. It, it It's in every line how much he loves to cartoon. That's nice. awesome. Not to be confused with Sammy the Bull Gravano. Right. No. <laughs> hey, uh, have you – not that – I mean, it only reminds me very – in a small way of of this book, but um, did you ever read Three Fingers? Mm-hmm. By uh, gosh, who was the? I can't think of the. Uh, um, he did the King. Uh, he did Rich the King. Ka- Rich Kozlowski. Kozlowski. Yeah. yeah. That I mean, that's much more obviously on the nose, sort of. You know, a Disney, obviously a Disney. Yeah. Um, thing, but that's uh, I, I really enjoyed that book years ago when I read that. I, th- I think you'll like this if you're looking for different brother. This will maybe the book that will pull you out of your doldrums, at least for a couple hours. Uh, Vince, <laughs> I may have to try it. Yeah. Did, uh, did you mention, you mentioned the movie that you're kind of turned around on. Did you mention the movie you're really looking forward to? Yeah, Avengers. Oh, David's right there. I don't think you mentioned it. I assume that's what you were talking about. But okay. Right, Avengers. I'm, I, was, I had no intention of going to see that at all. Yeah, ba- I know ba- you did. Ba- based on the first trailer, I was like, yeah. Yeah, you whatever. even complained to us about the trailer, and we were like, no, actually, yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> we, have, we have a Hulk, whatever. But, I mean, as each trailer was released, my interest was increasingly, my, my interest mounted, right? I'm going to tell my I buddy saw, that, then. That means he's doing his job. When I saw that Japanese yeah. trailer with the friggin' shield helicarrier coming out, oh, I was like, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna see this. This is right. I'm gonna see this. <laughs> How could you not? I mean, I can't. I can't, like even. Uh, I mean, I'm uh, for me. It's like I can't imagine not going to see any of them. I mean, even Green right. Lantern as yeah, unless terrible. you're a communist or an agent of Hydra, you really have to want to see this. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't have a penchant for superhero films at all. Oh, I went fun. to see I, Iron Man because my son wanted to go. I, I have not seen Thor. I have not seen Captain America. Right. I, I haven't seen any X-Men movie after. Uh, well, I'm lying. I, I did see you Logan. Should, you should see but, First but, Yeah, I, I just have no desire to sit through them. I don't care. I don't. To be honest with you, do I you like don't. Film? Do you like movie? Are you a movie guy? Are you? Are oh, you... I love movies. Yeah, okay. I just don't like the way they look. Vince I used I, to write uh, movie reviews for horror for horror, horror films and exploitation oh, movies. Yeah, but actually, I no, probably I, did know that, and I just forgot it. But that's okay. That's okay. I just they all have a, a sameness 
to me that I, and it's a slick it's an ultra slick and i know that's a, almost a requirement for a hollywood movie right you, it has to have a certain glimmer to it to attract people to go see it but I, and I, I, I also admit that I'm a hypocrite because I love the Transformers movies, right? So don't pay attention to anything I say. It's just that superhero movies <laughs> generally, see, they don't do anything for me. I, I did not like any of the Spider-Man movies. I'm the, the well, second. No. One, the second one was okay. I was like, so you're probably yeah, not going to go see this one, this one. No, hell no. I don't even. I don't like. Nah, I'm not going to see it. Do my girl. Emma now, Stone what is it about them? I mean, you just don't like the, the 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 way they look, or you don't like the 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 sort of adaptation from from comics to film, or I I, I don't know. My take on it, and I I can't really say what's going on in my subconscious, but having followed the illustrated adventures of these characters for friggin decades and in terms of spider-man steve ditko john ramita john ramita jr uh ross andrew all of the great artists which brought these stories to life on the printed page to see it on the movie screen it's like a cheat to me i i, I don't need to see moving pictures based on spider-man i have more than enough experience with spider-man and and all the great adventures i ever want on the printed page i don't need to see it up on the screen I don't care how good it looks, and it doesn't really look that good to me. Like I love Sam Raimi; those Spider-Man films, they're nasty. I just but they're not they're they're, they're not um, they're not telling the stories from the creators that's, that you. Oh, I, 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 I get that's it. not I, the I, point. I, it's not I, the point. All right. It's I, just I don't I don't need to see. It. You're gonna go pay twelve bucks to see a Spider-Man movie? Eh, whatever. I, I I don't want to. But you know, I, there's something goofy and weird about this Avengers movie. I don't know. It's just, it's the the, the trailers are exciting. Hot, and you mean ScarJo? Oh, that scene with the friggin' chair. Oh, oh man, you beat the shit out of me. <laughs> Go ahead, I, I lay down, seen, kick I me. <laughs> I, I've only seen the first trailer. Well, the I don't know which trailer it is, but I've only seen one trailer. For, I've tried to stay away as much as possible from any of the trailers and teasers, and I always do that with films that I want to see because I don't. I don't want to see any of the crap in. Sure. Yeah, me too. Trailers, you know what's you know? coming, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't. I, e I don't even look at the end of The Walking Dead when they say next week on Same Walking here. Dead. I I go up there and I shut the TV out before I see frame one, yep. if they even use frames anymore with this digital filming. But whatever. Right? I don't. I don't want to know. I don't want to see it. No. 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 Yeah. The um. I'm surprised I, I'm not all shitty yet. I well, you were yeah, one. I already had that one bout. Oh, good. Um, it's me. I I, uh, <laughs> I I read something recently. I read something last week. Um, there was uh, actually was I think well it's been over a year now. Uh, the artist Mink Oosterveer uh, died. Oh, um, and I I have the singles of these of the two unknown limited series and uh, and when. When the artist passed, the uh, Comixology offered the two collections of Mark Wade's The Unknown um, for free that weekend. So I grabbed them and I finally finished. I, I enjoyed the first miniseries, finally read, finally finished the, uh, the second. And um, basically the, the, the stars of The Unknown are um, Catherine Allingham, who, who's, uh, who's, who's kind of like a, a female... Sherlock Holmes. She's very intelligent. Very uh, can can you know she she breaks things down to their most 
to their bait. You know, there's, there's there's no there's no miracles. You can't tell you know how much a soul weighs because she, she always breaks your myths or your miracles or, or whatever faith you believe in. She she just brings science to the table and and basically just destroys whatever you believe in. But um, she has six months to live. She has an inoperable brain tumor, and um, she wants to. She's she's trying to not not cheat death, but she wants to know um, kind of what to expect. So, so there are no surprises when she does meet her end, and um, and because her uh, her tumor is is causing hallucinations, she needs somebody with um, with a real keen uh, set of eyes, and and she meets um, James Doyle, who's a bouncer at a uh, at a nightclub, but she watches him. How he um, how he 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 basically solves their um, one of the other bouncers is is robbing from the uh, is is stealing the dancers um, robbing their lockers in, in in the back room and and um, and you know and he's explaining to to Catherine about the dude's tell and and um, you know he, he basically broke down how he was able to determine what this person, that this person was the person doing the stealing and, and, and how, uh, so she basically hires him to, um, to help her solve, solve this first case. And the first mini series really cool. Um, had a, uh, had a little bit of, um, supernatural type bent to it. Uh, finally got around to finishing the second one where, um, it, it starts off with a little bit, of a twist because Doyle isn't working for Catherine and, uh, and we're not quite sure why at first until we get into, into the, the meat of the story. And, and, um, it, what, what kind of bummed me out was that when the, the second series ends, uh, Catherine and, and James are ready to go on to their next, case and and unfortunately that's the part that bummed me out is that there unless wade's planning on on doing it with somebody else and i don't think he is we're never going to get the uh the the next book of that and 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 but i as far as i i didn't know what to expect as i'm reading the second book and and the second one was a lot more weird than than the first there's there's reincarnation there's there's um there's a, a dusty dirt town in in um, in the Midwest, and it's just it. I I really enjoyed it. I know that you, that, that they have hardcovers of the two series. I know you can still get them digitally via Comicsology. I definitely would recommend it. The art the art's nice. Catherine has a um, you'd like Catherine Vince because she's um, pretty stacked, and uh, I do like that. Yeah, and and is she she's, talented though? She well, we don't really see how talented she might be in some areas. You mean can she like flex each one, <laughs> <laughs> spin the tassels in different directions? Yeah, uh, the, uh, the, the the art's really good, but um, but and it's this still, man, I mean, this man died. You said yes, yeah, oh, that, how? That very young. Um, I don't think it was an accident. I think. Uh, how how young are you talking? Like under thirty? I don't I I don't know if he if he was even thirty. Oh Jesus! Yeah, um, 
but he uh he worked he did some other stories for boom before he, he worked on the unknown and um and it really i mean i it just it was i read wade's other work you know i'll read um irredeemable i'll read daredevil i'll read kingdom come i'll the flash things like that and and the unknown really felt unlike anything else i've read from mark wade i agree with that um it was just it was because it was there were no superheroes there was no you know no one no one capes no 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 cows no tights everything was just um it was you know the, the physics were real world you know, and and it's not like I mean, aside from when they're dealing with um, things on the other side, everything is is um, you can kind of the stuff that happens in our world is stuff that could happen in our world. I mean, you know, the 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 myths that that Catherine is is debunking are are pretty. You know, you, you could do that. In real life, but I mean, and then you get to the to the spirit world and things like that, and that's where it it could get you know comic booky if you want to call it that. But it was it it's a really I I I said I didn't know what to expect with the second series, and 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 I thought it um it was still a pretty funky story. I'm not as things that happened to one of the characters. I was kind of I I would have liked to have seen how that played out naturally if in 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 a third book if if um i mean i don't know if it was going to be a trilogy i don't know if they were going to keep doing mini series of 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 these two characters because it's also a year later uh when the second book comes around so you know if Catherine only had six months to live what's going on and and how is you know where's this borrowed time coming from and things like that and it's and it is explained in 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 the uh, in the devil made flesh which was the the subtitle of the second book but i would definitely recommend the unknown if if you haven't read it if if you're looking for something a little different um and and for people who who may be you know who think they've read who think they know what mark wade's work is like then then read this just to get a, uh, an understanding of not everybody has one note, or or they definitely have um, different sides to their storytelling abilities. Hmm, sounds cool. I, I, In- I interesting. I, I've become a very big fan of Mark Wade. Not that I wasn't before, but I think he's. Um, I think he, he has shown more a of second wind almost. I mean, yeah, yeah, him, it's true. Really yeah, he does seem to be a resurgent. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so I mean, and and I mean, and I think that's. And I, Not that I, he ever like was bad or anything, but I think like right. he kind of got he kind of got um, lost in the shuffle a little bit. Right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He never went away. It was just that you had other people like JMS, like Morrison, like 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 Bender or Ruben. I mean, you've had other other writers over the past decade or so that kind of had more the the spotlight. And he yeah. did. You knew he was there. He just didn't really have. He didn't much. shine. He didn't really right, right. shine with a lot of those guys. But now it's like in the last couple of years, it's like, oh yeah, Mark Wade's a really good comic book writer. Yeah, you, you know, like I kind of forgot he's really good. You know, and, yeah. and 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 when he shows you how good he can be, it's it's. I mean, he he's a he's a damn fine comic book writer. Yes. He's I. He's I. <laughs> <laughs> now you're crackly. <laughs> it's, Speaking of, well, since all, this whole episode seems to be like 
different and weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's because of me, but uh, totally. did any of you guys read the latest um, Goon by uh, uh, no. Comic Book Confession Time? I have never read an issue of the Goon. No. Oh, um, well, I, I I used to read Goon a lot. I don't as much anymore. Um, but but I was interested in this issue, and I happened to pick it up uh, because. Um, uh, it, it it was something that um, uh, you don't say. It, it, it was something that it looked like he was trying to make a statement with. Um, uh, the issue is sort of a poke at the big two, uh, and it's a pretty big. Oh, I heard poke about this. Okay, yeah. yeah, I did too. Yeah, um, it's you know it's, it was interesting. And if you don't, if you've never read the goon, the goon's about it's it's a basically. A funny, weird little book about um, the goon who's like a 1940s longshoreman, kind of, but he fights monsters in this strange little town. He's got this little buddy who's like an Ed Norton kind of character, you know, sidekick who's foul mouthed and, and goofy, and, and they, they live in this strange town, and, and he's always dealing with like monsters and stuff, and he's kind of a, uh, a tough guy kind of thing. And, you know, it's it's hard to kind of categorize it because like it's it goes all over the place. It, it goes in a lot of different directions. But I mean that's kind of the gist of it. But this issue was him um, really ta- trying to take a shot and and showing his frustration with with the state of comics. Um, the, you know the state of of of, of how Marvel and DC dominate the industry and um, and sort of uh, took took a lot of um took a lot of umbrage with not just uh Marvel and DC but with the actual people making the comics the way they're drawn the way they're the stories are told the way that you know and a lot of the things that you know we've complained about in the past you know whether it's you know killing off a character and then bringing him back or or um you know a new number 1 you know just to to get sales or a, you know a new origin or whether it's you know gratuitous sex or violence or whatever, what what have you, new costume change, all the silly kind of things, but the, what struck me, uh, you know, was was when a guy like Eric Powell, who you know uh, could um, probably be more successful if he wanted to by doing something other than the goon. Uh, you know, does something like this? It's it, I don't know. It always strikes me as sort of weirdly um, infantile. You know, okay. it's like I understand he's frustrated because I'm sure the goon doesn't sell all that well, and like you know, whatever the the fifth Wolverine book probably sell outsells the goon. Um, and, and I'm you know I'm sure that that is incredibly frustrating for a guy who's really talented. Who I think Eric Paul is a very talented artist, and 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 for him to have to sort of deal with that, and probably a lot of his friends dealing with the same thing, different you know people that he he knows in the industry and are in the same sort of place, and and I know he's not the only person that feels that way, but I don't know when when a creator like that comes out and starts just slamming other you know other artists or other writers or people that are have made the decision to write superhero comics or, or work in that, those for work for those companies. Um, 
it, I don't know. It just strikes me odd. It, it, you know, like, what are you trying to accomplish with it? You know, what is the point of it other than to just scream, you know, at the world because you're frustrated? I don't, you know what I mean? I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's hard. You guys haven't read it, so it's hard to. Well, you know, it, it's Alan Moore did it. I mean, well, he railed against the uh, the the superhero genre in uh, a lot of things, but in that story, David and I bring up a lot. Pictopia, right? What what mm-hmm. what was one of the lines in there? Yeah. Only superheroes can afford to dream in color. Yeah. So it's yeah. I think it's it's tough to to ply your trade, the thing that you love, in, in an arena that is commandeered by basically two omnipresent figures marvel and dc i mean you're just trying to make your way in in a in a place that that is is ruled by 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 basically but i get sales point though i get sales point though it's more about absolutely yeah i understand the the system fine but like why like besmirch and the guys that are choosing to work within that system like okay gets back to i always bring this up because because when we got like years ago and we got in this discussion one time, I think it was after the quote unquote Kirkman manifesto. Um, I remember Norton, you know, we were hanging out with him. I guess we were at a con or something. And he, he just said, like, you know, he totally got like the idea of, and it's ironic because now you look at Norton and he's doing a lot of his own stuff. But he was saying, like, what if you actually like drawing Batman? You know, yep. like, what if that, that is your That's career aspiration? Like, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, like, what if you like getting healthcare benefits and a paycheck that pays a decent wage and you have reliable hours and you get to draw stuff that you like? Like, what if you genuinely like drawing Spider-Man? Like, well, there's nothing I mean, wrong with that. Like, and that's the, like, like, it's, it, 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 like, it's like telling someone that, like, I guess from my, from my business, right? Like, uh, you know, all, like when you see startups, right? And people are just like, oh man, like, how amazing is it? Like, uh, you know, let's take, you know, Zuckerberg, like, Wow, he created Facebook from nothing. Yeah, that's true, but like that doesn't mean that people who choose to now work for Facebook as employee number three thousand aren't like worthwhile human beings. And right. sh- you know, instead of it's it's not like oh, they, they, what are they doing going to work for a big company now? They should be out starting their own thing. Like no, like they they it's not in them to do that. Not they don't everyone, want to take, yeah, the, they don't want to take the risks involved in trying to be their own person solely and completely because they have, for whatever reason, whether they're not interested or they're scared or they feel they have other obligations, it's not wrong. It's just, you know, again, like, it's just, just like if you choose to work for a big advertising company instead of doing comics because you want to make a living, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's kind of sad if if you're forced to do something that you don't really want to do to, like, pay your bills. But then again, that's kind of real life, right? Like, how many of us do a job uh, or have at least done a job at some point in our lives that we that wasn't our passion, but we do it because it pays the bills, right? Raise like, his hand. My hand's you know? up in the air. Yeah. No, but I think most people, again, like, you know, yes. people assume because what I do for a living and that, you know, I, I by most accounts make a decent wage. But you guys know, like, I mean, if all things being equal, I wouldn't do what I do for a living, you know? Like, I mean, I would be a marine biologist, right? Like, but I, but I can't, I wouldn't be able to support my family with that, you know? Like, I mean, you that's just, just, I'm saying, like, that's the... You just you like saying bath a scaff. But, and... and there, I I see Sal's point because I feel bad that Eric Powell feels so strongly with his work in, in Goon, and he wants you know I, I can get that everybody should do something that they love and hopefully people will follow you. But maybe he doesn't have the audience because not everybody's into a longshoreman who fights monsters. 
Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's absolutely a part of my point too. Is that uh, you're a supremely talented guy, but you know what? Just because you think the Goon is the best book on the planet doesn't make it the best book on the planet that everyone's going right. to enjoy. Right. It's not necessarily in everybody's wheelhouse. Not everybody's going to like it. No matter how much you yell and scream and try and get attention and try and get you know, if everyone reads it, doesn't mean they're going to love it. You it, and that's not to say that it's not it's not done extremely well it's just it is it is what a it very is. pretty book yeah absolutely he's, he's, he's a great he's, artist great artist but that doesn't necessarily mean it, you're not entitled to an audience even if you're good at something you know what i mean like you, you're not you, you have to admit it does mainline the same vein as hellboy so um, may, maybe he feels a little bit of that too. I mean, here we got this. This visually, it's very different. Oh, and visually, yeah, but thematically, it's, it's it's in the same it's in the same town because because yeah. of monsters. I mean, yeah. It's, it, okay. But there's no. But yeah, there's but no again, Hitler. Like, there's no. Oh, it, I'm not talking about the finer points where the, there's not a goal. No, I understand what you're saying, but like, how many bands out there? Are are basically or 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 just you know solo vocalists sound like how many women out there have have had a sound like Adele right yeah. you know what I mean like like well, look, and just, go to the source how many bands play four bar blues like the Rolling Stones well yeah sure that's what I'm saying yeah. you could make right. any I mean there's any there's you know how many stuff. how many guys uh, you know have have uh, have submitted screenplays to you know that are you know similar or they're convinced they're funnier than maybe like the things that like Judd Apatow makes right but it's just to an extent, like fame, and again in comics, I know it's a relative term, but it, it there is a component of unpredictability in what's yeah. actually going to resonate, yeah. and that's not like anybody's fault, right? Like, like again, like you guys know, I think Fear Agents like one of the best comics ever made, uh-huh, you know, right. and and because of that, I empathize with Remender's frustration over the years that it didn't get a bigger audience, right? Like, and and I also. Like and I so I empathize because I think too like yeah that book should be huge, but at the same point in time and I think he has the right approach and I think he came to this over time I think at one point he was bitter about it but I think he, you know but at some point he made the decision to end Fear Agent which you know it just ended we talked about it, it just ended it, and and I doubt we'll ever see any more you know like I don't maybe he'll do another like one shot to put into an omnibus you know what I mean like but it's it's not it's pretty much done right and and. Would it have gone on forever if if it was selling much better? Probably, you know, yeah. it probably would have been like Emmanuel and and the thing is, it didn't. But you know what? Like he's even if there's probably moments where he's like, "Damn, that sucks. That was my thing." But he's gotten past it and he's kicking yeah. ass at yeah. Marvel, making decent cheddar, you know, buying his family a new home. Like, and know? ironically though, he's elevating. That's what I mean. But like, and you yeah. know, we've talked about this a couple of times. Like when he first went to Marvel, I think he struggled for a bit, and it even came through in his persona. Like he was always a great interview. Like Sal and Chris used to talk to him all the time, and he was great, and he would be. And then there were a couple of times, and actually, it was a time I think when you guys, the last time you guys had talked to him, Sal on AC, where he seemed like kind of almost like a dick, you know, like in the sense that he was like, he was very like. Oh, I remember that. Speak, yeah, right. Yeah. He was real yeah. corporate speak and real like defensive. Yeah. Well, and it just was, with, well, no, yeah, no, my Rick, point I mean, was at the time because his 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 persona went from it, it didn't matter what Rick said to now everything he says he has to be. Yeah, well, that's right. And and at the yeah. time I said, wow, you know, because I know some people were put off by that, and I said, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know, I know him now, I didn't know him then, but but at the time I said, you know, I could just be guessing, but I've seen this a couple times, and my guess is if things go the way I think they will he'll come back to himself. Like, he'll get comfortable in his new surroundings and be mm-hmm. able to... And that's exactly happened, right? Like, Rick is back to be... He's he's funny and outgoing and totally comfortable back in his own skin. And I think part of that, though, is that um, 
you know, coming to terms with the fact that you're, 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 you're doing work in a different environment, but you can still, you can, you can balance your creative juices within the confines, you know, and you can, you can strike that balance if you really want to. Like, I, I do, I do have a problem when people are like, oh, you know, I could never work for the man because I can't make my, like, no, if you really, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to like get paid yeah. and you can find a happy medium, it may not be the absolute perfect thing you want to do, but you can do it. You know what I mean? Like, like, and again, Hickman's Hickman took some time away from doing creator owned stuff. He's back doing a ton of it now. You know what I mean? Um, I would suspect we'll see Remender doing some creator owned stuff again sooner rather than later. You know, um, Jason Aaron kept doing it. Like you could, you can do it if you want. Like that's not really a gating factor. Like maybe you have to put it on hold for a little bit while you kind of get your name out there. Like look, look at Jeff, like Lemire, right? Like I, you know, again, I, I assume Jeff still listens at least occasionally. Um, I I think he went through the same thing that uh, that Remender went through, like when he started blowing up at DC, whether because he was really busy or because he just had a lot more on his plate, or he felt a lot of stress to deal with the fact that he was now speaking for you know as part of a much bigger entity. I feel like his persona and his 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 sort of demeanor changed. You know, I mean, a bit yeah. like he, he even when he was oh, all, I can tell you. Even when he was all thus, I think he was a little less. And, and it wasn't that he's like a different guy at home, but it was that he's not at home. And so when he was just doing his thing, he could joke about characters he loved or hated, or make a fun of a book, or or make a off color comment. But now, you know, he he has responsibilities to his employer, yeah. and 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 you. And again, it's not to say that like he's right or wrong at doing it. It's just he, you you. It'd be like you're you you are a startup guy, and then you go to work for a big company. You have to adjust to the environment, and then it, if if all goes well, you find your equilibrium. And I think Jeff's back to that again. The same thing. I, I've I've seen Jeff sort of be more the Jeff we know of late again, you know, like just, he seems to be, cause I think now he's past that point of like, holy crap, I'm working for DC. I got to really be the man. Like, I think he's to the point now where he's now confident again. I can do this. Like I can write these DC books. People like what I'm doing and I can still do my own stuff and I can be, well, my man. I mean, it's like any, any, you start a new job somewhere and it's like, well, you're not, you know, you don't know your surroundings. You don't know anyone that works there. You're getting the, you know, and it's like, you're not, you're, you, you're trying to go out of your way to not step on anyone's toes. And then as you're there for a long time, you realize that, oh, well, it's not, you know, you, you, you get comfortable with your, your, your situation and you're able to sort of let your hair down a little bit. And, but at the, I think at the same time, you go from, necess, you know, like some of these guys go from, you, you know, selling, you know, a thousand books or something or 500 books or, you know, barely a blip on the radar of sales and nobody knowing who they are. So they can say whatever they want. It doesn't really matter. Nobody, you know what I mean? Because nobody's listening, um, and it doesn't, you know, it's not going to change anything. To oh, all of a sudden, you know, I'm I'm working with one of the biggest companies in the industry, and everybody's paying attention to what I'm saying. You know, it's like, well, I mean, it just my own personal experience of going from, you know, a a podcaster i didn't i could say whatever the hell i want it doesn't matter i'm not in the comic book industry i don't you know what i mean like i I don't work for anyone in this industry i don't have any you know i can say anything that i want to say to going oh well i want to sell now some of my art to people so i have a certain you know there it may be in my best interest to not necessarily piss everyone off Mm -hmm. with every word that comes out of my mouth Sure. I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to change who I am. Well, but let's, at the same let's time, be honest. I mean, who, who's the? I think the poster boy for for that that life lesson, right? Scotty, I think. Like when Scotty was on your show for a while, he was yeah. pretty outrageous at times, right? Sure, sure. Now this, now I, I think 
because of just natural maturity. Scotty's like the poster boy for a lot of guys and how they should comport themselves working for a big two. You know, like I'm sure he still has a lot when you and I know he has strong opinions about a lot of things still, but he keeps them to himself, yeah. you know, or he shares them with his friends in a private yeah. setting and he doesn't blast them. You know what I mean? Because again, that's not wrong. That's being a responsible human being. Like, you know what I mean? No, like and, he, and, and Scotty was very conscious of it when he started doing Oz and when he started thinking about that's doing what I mean, other you projects. Know, like he learned like, those hey, lessons. these are kids' books. I'm selling, you know, like my name is going to be on something that's going to be going to kids. Maybe I shouldn't go and... You know, and just say all sorts of crazy, outrageous, you know, sort of vulgar things on a podcast when I'm at the same time then, you know, selling my books to to ten year olds. You know, it's exactly. like so. It's I mean, no, it just it's just make it's just common sense. You just have, you know what I mean. But it was a conscious, you know, idea on his uh, on his part of like, hey, you know, this is I, I maybe I should rein in. But when you're young, when you you know what I mean, like you have nothing to lose at some point. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you have things to lose. It goes back to what we were talking about, like with Jim Lee and those artists, and, and you know, and it's like when you have something to lose, you start acting as if you have something to lose. Right. You know? Sure, and, sure. And and it's you know, and a lot of these guys again, it's it's you know, you, it kind of starts off as a hobby, and and even it's like you know, it's like with music, right? I mean, it's 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 that band you loved in in college, and then they sign with a major label, and you're like, oh, sell out, you know, sell out. But are they, you know, I mean. Like I was a huge, well, I am a huge Mighty Mighty Boston's fan, right? Oh. But if you were to ask, you know, a huge chunk of the fans of the Boston's, you know, on, in their fifth album when they finally signed with a major label, you know, everyone, most people consider that their worst album, right? But it's like, was it the worst album because everyone hated it because it was a major label debut, or was it just their worst album, right? Like I don't know. I mean, it's it, like, I, you, who knows what was going on in their minds, right? But 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 now they're still out. You know, twenty years later, they're still touring, doing their stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, they never really hit it big, but I, I just don't. But you have to adjust, you know. You become, I don't know. It just seems like people, people have to. Grow, there's a little bit of the growing up phase, you know. You have yes. to, yeah. you have to grow up, and we all do, right? I mean, it's it's funny. I know this is probably the most tangential episode ever, um, but I was talking to someone um, that we recently that recently came to work with me, um, and she's got. Uh, we we're you know just we we're. I was actually having lunch with her the first time I'd met her. She works in one of their offices, but uh, she came to to meet me, and we were um, talking about our kids and stuff. And and uh, she's got a, a sixteen year old and a ten year old, and we were just it got us to talking about you know this generation with with social media and you know Facebook and Twitter and and things and and just how the world's changed even as much as like you know when kids are now applying to college, their guidance counselors are pulling them in and googling them to show them yeah like what's on there and be like you don't like in today's day and age if when you apply to a university. They're going to look you up on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook, and they're going to see well, what's on there. Well, you know, my daughter's nine, and I haven't obviously done this as of yet, but there's going to be a point in time in her life that I'm going to sit her down and I'm going to sit here and, and tell her, listen, if you take pictures of yourself in the nude hmm. and send them to someone, they are going to end up on the internet. Just Absolutely. know that. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of things you, you know, it, it's like you cannot do. Stupid, crazy, dumb shit. Right, but what I'm saying is, we all know that. Right, the conversation was about that. You know, we all, when you're young, you make stupid decisions. That's actually part of being young. It's part of life is experiencing, making mistakes, and living with them. You know, and and you think about even again, no matter what station we are in life now, you think about like I I mean, I did things when I was young that I I can't even believe as I think back. Like I'm like, what? You know, whether it be 
sure. Well, no, whether <laughs> whether it be, yeah, but even like whether it be something that you like was dangerous, right? Or like you know, I mean, like racing, like you know, when I crashed my dad's car into an eighteen wheeler, like I look back on it now and like it's a story to tell. But I was literally like one or two feet of of the world away from dying. You know what I mean? Like yep. like, but one little extra inch of 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 being under the, you know what I mean? And it's like, sure, I didn't die. I didn't. So the story the is gods. like, wow, I was so stupid. I, I ran at it, you know, but. Again, that was a really dumb thing that the 37-year-old me would never put myself in that position, right? But mm-hmm. the point is, is now the difference is these kids have no sense of of privacy, and they don't think about the permanency of these things, you know? No. So it's like, oh, let's film each other. Well, that's part hammered, of being a kid. You know? and it's like, <laughs> I mean, you don't – you have no concept of, you know – of anything beyond next week when you're, right. you know, when you're in your teens, and mm-hmm. but as you get older and older, you start thinking. Sure, about and, and, that and more, circling you know, it back so. to the point of what we're saying with these creators and stuff is, you know, even though I'm sure 95 percent of the people that uh, listen to our shows listen to like them in chronological order when they come out, and then vaguely maybe remember that we talked about something in the past. But the episodes are all there, right? Like if if someone wants to or happens to do a search or. For, they they could well come across the episode even having never heard of us before, right? And they could well, be listening to that episode, and it could have some remark that we've made that's completely off color or offsetting no, to that. Sure. No. Oh, no. So, no. So what I'm saying is, is that like people don't, like with creators who are in the business, like they probably are even conscious of the fact, like, damn, I was on some show two years ago, like shit talking these guys, you know, like, and it's there, like it, the likelihood that it's going to come back to haunt them, probably not that big a deal, but it's there, right? It's possible. Well, An editor could be like, dude, you shat on me three years ago. I'm not hiring you now. You know, like you don't, you just yeah. don't know because it is there, you know, I, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a, tr- a real story. I won't name names, but uh, someone that I did a podcast with at one point, uh, did an episode and they came back and and were like, Hey, wasn't it? Uh, no. <laughs> and it was like, Hey, I need you to, to take some, some stuff down off of that episode. Oh, I, I remember <laughs> that. No, no, no. <laughs> well, there was a couple ones, but this oh, okay. one, this one was not, uh, it wasn't a, it, it wasn't a big deal of anything that he had said. Like, you and I would listen to it and not like not think that he said. But what it was is he had actually been depositioned, and the opposing lawyers had found him on the podcast. Yes, yes, and used it in you know in his deposition like as a character, yeah, uh, you know reference against him. Um, because you know he's just on the show and he's just you know we're having fun and drinking and, and you say sh- stupid shit. I mean, good God, if I ever had to go to court as a character witness, the shit that I have said on around comics oh. and other podcasts, I mean, you could crucify me with you know just mm-hmm. because I you know well I have a loud mouth and you know I don't I never really thought that much about it mattered like you know like what does it matter what I say? Who gives a shit what I'm saying? So so far you know it doesn't. There, but uh, there you go. The uh, before we go, the um, aside from the fact that he is dead, pretty much everything I said about me is absolutely the other way around. The the uh, it's funny. I'm 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 looking at it now, and I, dude, he died in a motorcycle accident. He was fifty years old. <laughs> And, right. and, and, the, and the, the reason, streak continues. And the reason, and, and the reason I thought he was young is you were thinking of the, Unk Mister Veer. No. That was it. That was exactly yeah. uh, the the art in the two books looks like it was it, it, it's somebody who is not 
youthful. Not a novice. Yes, yes. Just, just very not. Um, doesn't have the the decades of. And maybe he. he I mean, he's he, he's got a little bit of a resume, but it's um, and it's mostly stuff from you know, when from his native land. But it was, I. You know, I just want to because otherwise we'll have people who decided to look up and and let there us you know go. on the forum that uh, what they, what actually happened. So and to well, bring you- it back to sports, did you know that Junior <laughs> Theo? Yes, uh, was I, I tweeted this earlier, but and this is just a weird thing, but he was one of eight members of the '94 Chargers who have died under the age of 45. Oh, it's the Chargers yeah, it's really curse. crazy. Isn't that bizarre? Like, that's the craziest, weird, bizarre thing. When I read that, I, I just couldn't believe it. It's crazy. There Nothing are no coincidences. Not. Maybe not. I don't, yeah, not. I don't know. But, but you know what's not dead? What? This episode? <laughs> low, low prices at Discount Comic Book Service. Oh, snap. DCB Service. DCBService.com. Get your comics way below retail. Far below. You can't even see them. You're looking down... No, you're looking. True. Yeah, whatever. Marianas trench up in far this away. Terrible oh. analogy, but you'll get your books cheap at wow. Discount Comic Book Service. No, me, 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 me. Discount Comic Book Service. dot com. Two things you got to remember: this Saturday and Sunday, Piscataway, New Jersey, starts at ten o'clock. So Wild what? pig, squeal like a pig. Ten dollars. Ten dollars for the. Day right? How much for yes. the weekend? Oh uh, well, yeah. Well, ten, ten, if you pre-order ten for the weekend, if okay. you don't pre-order, it's a uh, ten for the day and fifteen for the weekend. Yeah. Cool. Sixty-five thousand comics, freebies, door prizes, raffles, great uh, camaraderie. Go wild pig, and you have two and weeks. Us. And us, you have two weeks. Summit City Comic Con, May twelfth, ten a.m. to six p.m. Fort Wayne, Indiana. Get there. A lot of people going to be there, including maybe somebody you know. Um, in your travels, you know, I, I originally, and this is what I was talking uh, to Jason about early in the episode, I bought a book featuring the work of an artist I adore, and I thought, wow, this is going to be the bomb. Once I started reading it, it was a giant derivative, derivative book uh, based on Star Wars and the original Battlestar Galactica. I'm a course talking about the first dc science fiction graphic novel which was called star raiders Mm. drawn by the incomparable jose luis garcia lopez it's gorgeous written written by elliot s magan who has a lot of experience with big blue unfortunately he left at home when he was writing this thing because it is nasty bad nasty bad but anyway i want to talk about that I, I which I did. I got my my DCBS box today, and the first book I pulled out of that that uh, package was IDW's Popeye. Oh, oh I am so I am. Oh, written by Roger Langridge, oh, art by Bruce Ozella, and he did the letters too. Colors by Luke McDonald. Wow, it's fantastic. I mean, uh, Ozella doesn't. Sway too far from the established E.C. Seeger Thimble, uh, Thimble Theater style. Uh, it's it, it makes no bones about it. It's a Popeye comic. It should look like E.C. Seeger, according to them, I guess, and sure. it does. It it it's it's not as as um, 
Scritchy Scratchy as the original, well, let's say, just say the first 10 years of Thimble Theater, because Popeye didn't show up until 10 years into the, the run of the strip. But once Seeger found that, that, that style to which he is, from which he is known, that's what this book looks like. It's very clean. They're, they're, all the characters are here. Popeye, Olive, um, the sea hags in here, Bluto, um, Caster, that's Olive's brother. The Jeep is in here. Uh, Wimpy, it is fantastic. Go, just go get it. I just take my word for it. It, it. I, I had so much fun reading this thing. Um, Somebody has discovered, or an eyewitness has sighted another Jeep, and mm. apparently, you know, because Olive thought that their Jeep was the only Jeep, but no, someone sights another Jeep, and uh, Caster gets the bright idea: Hey, let's go find this Jeep, made it with our Jeep, and we can make little Jeeps and make a whole bunch of money. So mm. they ask, they ask Popeye to take them to the place where this Jeep was sighted, and in the midst of the trip, they run into Bluto, who wants the Jeep, and the Sea Hag, and, and hilarity ensues. It's just great, great stuff. I'm so pleased that it came out so good. This Back seat my Jeep, let's make an episode. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, so it's Bluto and not Brutus? Did I say Bluto? No, no, you Bru- did, which is fine, because it's it, it. No, it's Bluto. Yeah, it's Bluto. Okay. okay, good. Brutus was um his cousin, if you want to call it. Yeah, that. I'm thinking it Brutus is... from the the Mickey Mouse stuff. Um, but no, oh, okay. it, no, it's so good. Oh my god, go get it's three ninety nine. Unfortunately, and I don't usually like to spend that much on a book from a premier publisher. But in this case, it is freaking worth every damn penny. IDW's Popeye. I, uh, when I was a kid, I was a huge fan of the Popeye cartoons uh, when I was a little, little kid. And so much so that um, for probably a year, I, I I would not go to bed without my mother reading me a Popeye story. And she ran out of them quickly because there weren't that many. Um, uh, the, you know, there was the strips, but there weren't. And there were a handful of books at the time. Mm-hmm. Of you know, like kids' books with Popeye stories in them, but not very many. So my mother would make up Popeye stories uh, and tell me um, That's uh, every night before I went to bed. And she probably made up, uh, I, you know, this is a complete guess, but I would say she probably made up somewhere between eighty and a hundred Popeye stories wow. in my lifetime. Oh, and I should have wrote them down. I, I, That's I, love. I, and I wish, I wish that they had been written down. Um, now, you know, but yeah, that, that's, uh, I was a huge Popeye fan as a, as a little kid and she, she, yeah, she would make up Popeye stories. So I would go to bed. Oh, cool. Uh, the cover that I got is a takeoff of, uh, the action comics, number one cover with, right. uh, uh, but there, Jules Pfeiffer also did a cover. No kidding. Yeah. And there's a, uh, diamond retailer summit cover, which was done by Bud Sagendorf. Who had a, a, a really long run on Popeye uh, when uh, Seeger after Seeger passed? So yeah, this is a great friggin' book. Go get it. Nice triumph. Okay. Uh, I don't have. Um, well, no, I'm not. I'm gonna do like like Jason did, and and recently Ooh. instead of instead of saying read something, I'm going to just let everybody know. I'm gonna remind y'all that this Sunday. On Masterpiece Mystery Sherlock series. So make sure y'all got your DVR set. Make sure you know uh, it. You know, (laughs) 
as David said, it's because uh, I just went through this exercise before I went on my business trip. Uh, it is called what masterpiece mystery. Masterpiece right? mystery. Yeah. 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 So I, I it was a hella frustrating on mute. my uh, DVR trying to figure out. <laughs> we have. Yeah, we, I, I mean, got the mute on. Sorry. Um, I, it was a hella difficult to uh, to do the search, and I kept looking for Sherlock, and it kept bringing up like stuff that wasn't it, and finally I realized uh, my error. So we were. Uh, I was scrolling through to see what I can. Um, what we can afford to miss because I mean some things are wrapping up for the season so I was looking going through TiVo's to-do list and I was like man and and we do have Masterpiece Mystery Masterpiece Mystery set to record new episodes and um because we, we we've recorded case histories with um with Jason Isaacs which was a, a show where he plays a former cop in in um in Scotland and it's um when I saw it was recording this Sunday I was like oh let me see if it's something that you know, we're going to watch or if I can just ignore it. And I was like, oh, shit. I was just, and I was quite happy to see it. So happy birthday to Renee because it, it's it's shortly before her birthday to see restart. So. Oh, nice. Oh, look at you. Look at me. Nice. Salvatore. Um, go to my website, com with an O, and buy something <laughs> from me. No, oh, look at that. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, That's, that That's what he meant by that. It's B-R-I-O-N, Salazar. Yeah. So go do it. Um, thank you. Uh, no, I was. Uh, there's a book that I haven't finished reading. I got a uh, a preview of it, and I ordered the book off the preview, which I rarely ever do. But uh, this one really interested me, and um, I, I, what I, the, it was only like eight pages that I read of it, but it, that eight pages just completely sucked me in. Um, it's the Green River Killer, a true detective story. Ah, yes. By Jeff Jensen and mm-hmm. Jonathan Case, and it's getting a lot of attention recently. I think it won yeah. some award. I don't know what won recently, but um, like I said, the, I, I read the first eight pages, and it was. Um, I have a fascination with serial killers, um, Me too. Uh, and especially like serial killers from uh, the seventies uh, and 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 eighties, like that era. It seemed like there was some just insane stuff going on in the world. Yeah. Uh, in the United States, especially, but the Green River Killer is a, a story I'm somewhat familiar with, uh, and the, f- the this was um, in eight pages. It really captured the uh, the that terror that I think um, a serial killer, a real life serial killer, could instill in a town. You know, I mean, if that is going on in your town, in your area, and that, you know what I mean, like, you, that becomes public knowledge that there is an active serial killer in your town. Um, You know, I think there's a, 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 there's just a, an absolute terror that I think runs through um, everyone in, you know, everyone there, because that, at least to me, I mean, that stuff, you know, monster movies and horror stuff, that's fun, but like, Someone going out and you know hunting people down and killing them is is about the most frightening thing I can I can imagine uh, um, experiencing and and I thought the, the 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 preview that I got really captured that very quickly on so I'm I'm really interested to read the rest of the book. Sweet, yeah, I, I want to read that too. It does sound really good. Um, in your travels, if you want to play along next week. You have this from this listening point on until next listening point to 
read by misuse Grant Morrison and Frank Whiteley, Flex Mentallo. Yeah. Man of muscle mystery. Do it. I have I'm not going to say any more about it except that you need to read it. We're going to talk about it next week, I think, right, David? Yes. Yes. And, uh, and so if you plan on listening to the episode and not being spoiled, it's now or never, folks. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to spoil, own, the, spoil uh, the shit out of it. We are going to spoil every living I, I, ionic yeah. part of that book. Hero of the Beach. Him, so am I a permanent yeah. member now? Am I replacing Chris permanently? Yes. Oh, please. Isn't, isn't, we're not doing around comics evidently any longer. So uh, <laughs> I'm open. <laughs> My schedule. Did you know Tom is back in town? Tom is back in town, but Tom's in school and has no time. I know. It's so weird that he doesn't even like talk comics anymore. I know. It's odd. He, we were going to try and get together this Friday, but it didn't it's work a, out. It's a great I can't loss. believe he stopped doing Tom Versus. He's he's really busy. He's um, yeah. Oh, I know he must be. I'm just saying. Like I never thought I'd see that day. Yeah. You know, it, I don't know. I, these guys are quitters. What can I tell you? I'm still. I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still. You know, chugging along, man. I'm still here, and these guys just. It's true. I think. Uh, I think I'm the only one of this conclave to say I've never quit a podcast. Wow. Yeah. Well, I I didn't quit a podcast. No, I had that I decision made off. for me. I was I was kicked off, so I had to go. Oh my! I quit, I quit enough times for all of us. There you go. This is true. No mm. lie, though. I I hold Tom in the in the highest regard. I I don't think there's there's anybody better than Tom at at what? At, at podcasting, at oh. thinking, <laughs> at at create creative listening, uh, and. Enchanting the, the the his audience with nothing more than his voice and his ideas. Nobody better than Tom. Nobody. Well, gee, thanks. I appreciate. That. No, I love you. I really do. But <laughs> come on, you know, Tom. We're talking Tom. Yeah, I, I mean, well, Tom, right? Tom has this. Uh, it, I think it's very hard to have a one-man podcast that uh, right. can be consistently excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and and he he's he managed to do it for a long time, so it's that's not an easy thing to do. Sal, you you don't operate on the same level as Tom. You're more visceral. Tom is is well, that's I'm going to say intellectual. I'm going to get slammed for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Tom, I'm smart. He decided not to join our cast, and he's going uh, to go on no, to do. No. I, I think Tom and, is uh, incredibly funny and clever, and I love. Love talking with Tom. Um, uh, no, there, yeah, I have nothing. There's nothing. I have nothing to bad to say about Tom other than his uh, his grooming Sca- habits are terrible. But <laughs> other than that, uh, he is he is by far the uh, grooming habits. No, he's great. Tom's awesome. I mean, come on, it's Tom. No, it's I'm just true. kidding. I'm I'm very shallow and insecure, so I I don't. Uh, I don't work well when people are complimenting other people other than me. You are the best, Sal. God damn it. That's better. I like this. <laughs> better. Keep it coming. Do it when I'm not around. That's fine. Then you can give Tom and, you know, there you that's go. great. But not and we will keep it coming next week Yeah. with another surprise guest and maybe Sal, too. You never know. <laughs> you uh, never know. So please join us. We'll be here and we'll be waiting for you. Because we love you. God, we love you so much. <laughs> oh, Vince hey, wait. Before you go, uh, can I tease something? 
Can I? Again. Just, again. just, just, just a tip? Just, just a tip. This is just, just the tip. It. Yes. Well, it, Chris and I were we're working on something right now. We're going to try and get it together uh, for maybe um, early summer or fall. We're not sure yet. Um, I can't really say what it is. It's it's okay. count, it's going to be well. This is that's why it's just the tip. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to involve um, hopefully a large part of the comic book community in Chicagoland and maybe outlying areas. Um, it's going to be a fun event, um, and it's going to be for charity. Uh, but that's all I can tell you about it yet, oh, so far. Midnight Madness on the Third Coast? Uh, no, no, it's going no, to, and it will involve um, running and shooting. So, Dang, Paul. Uh, <laughs> Always so fun. We're going to, yeah. So you, you just lost Vince on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to run, but. Can I, I can shoot though. I have. I think I've met a big chunk of the Chicago area comics community, and I don't think that running and shooting are necessarily their strong suits. Oh my god! Well, I mean that, but that's okay. It'll be a level playing. <laughs> Maybe field. running from gangs and shooting. At- talking, wait, wait, wait! Were you talking basketball? No, I'm not. I can't say. I can't. Okay. I can't say what it is yet. You'll you like see. I'm, modern, think, I'm thinking like shooting like as in triathlon? projectile, like bullets. I'm thinking paint. All right, I'll tell you what it is. It's here's the. It, it's it's. The greatest game. We're going to hunt comic book creators down and That's kill it. them. <laughs> it's shotguns and no, it's um. Death no, I don't want to say yet because we haven't. We have. We're 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 barely got any details yet. When we're, it's just an idea at this point. But cool. We're hoping to get it together for this year, and and it'd, and it'd be a fun, cool thing that um we could maybe raise some money for charity for uh. We're hoping. Yeah, I don't know what comic book charity yet, but one of the uh, comic book charities out there that. May want to get involved. You're a sweetheart. Oh, uh, you know, I just and figured... say it so right you, now. You... This was completely your idea, right? Yes. Um. Yes. So, Hero Initiative and CBLDF are going to be lobbying for your business. Uh. Well, hey, if that's you know, if that's what it, it comes down to, you know, hookers and and <sighs> booze are certainly you know something that we take seriously. So if you're listening, no, uh, yeah, we haven't we haven't talked to anyone yet. I mean, uh, we, we you know we don't know yet that the the details are very murky at this point. It's it's really just an idea and and some basic. Uh, Chris doesn't even know it was a fever dream, Sal. Chris does. Yeah, I haven't even told Chris yet. No, no, he knows. We talked about it, uh, and no, it'll be cool. It'll be fun, and you guys will wish you were come in for it, but you probably won't. Just fly us <laughs> out, you know. Well. I don't know Seriously, if we'll have that some celebrity guest, right? Right? You know? Oh, do you know? Do you guys Come know on, any? from Piscataway to Chicago. Come on, yeah. Are you guys tight with any celebrity guests? Are you? Are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm tight with uh, with two two. I know two guys. I think they each know two guys too. I'm gonna be tight um, with Rudy Nebras this weekend, baby. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> dude, Vince. You know what we should do? We should have a, a chicken fight. Rudy gets on your shoulders, and Don McGregor get up on mine. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they'd go for it? You are not friggin' right. <laughs> it's like what that's what's that poking me in the back of the neck, Rudy? <laughs> Damn, dude. You should have been in the movies. All right. Like I said, we'll be here next week. We wish you will join us and we love you. Say goodbye. I like you. Goodbye. I, yeah, you love Love's, us. Love strong. Well, I love don't, you. Don't you're talking to the audience. I, I don't put know up them well enough to love Hey, them. Dap. It's tolerable. Look. Dap, did you know Tito Santana has a has a, a, a beauty salon in Jersey? 
No way. Yeah. Oh, who is Tito Santana? What? Dude, a wrestler from the eighties. Yeah, on. dude. Okay, I do. I thought the the name sounded familiar. Yeah. Right? Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> Never <laughs> ending. Only in Jersey. <laughs> See. Um, where is uh, a Chicago licious, like a Jer- Jer- Jersey licious, uh, but a Chicago version of that. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but I, that's why. Oh, I, really? Yeah. It's called. Um, it's called. It's in Sukasana. It's it's aptly named uh, Santana's Hair Salon. Oh, oh he, went, he went the original route. Okay. Both it's top and bottom. It's awesome. Yes. And if you go to the website, it was opened in 1996. It's run by his wife. But it's uh, in the, they show if they, it's like it's Tito and his wife standing in the store with like memorabilia and pictures and stuff in the back. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, but it's like a man. salon. It's not like a, a barber shop. It's like a right. Place. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome, right? I'm going to stop and this he, shit right and now. And he's a high school teacher. <laughs> Is he really? Don't end it, Vince. <laughs> I know this from listening to Locomania, by the way. Did you Did you know that Jake the Snake Roberts once owned a... No, I don't even know where I'm going with that. I, he's the only <laughs> other wrestler I could come up with at this point. The <laughs> wow, okay. He's, 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 he's one of the many, 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 many wrestlers in that era. Oh, right. All you got to do oh, if you want to learn about wrestling, Monday nights on friggin' Twitter, just sit there and watch them all go by because that's yeah, all they talk about. Uh, hey, I avoid Twitter on Monday nights for that reason. Jake should be dead, but he is, uh, he's, he's still with us. Oh, Jake's Jake. alive? Yeah. No, Jake the Snake oh. Roberts? Jake the Snake Roberts is alive. He uh, he basically, he'll show up for your wrestling show for... Uh, for oh, Boots. I thought he died. He's dead. He oh, Jake the Snake is not dead, dude. I don't believe that. I, I cannot. I, 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 I read my, I read my buddy's wrestling observer every week. I know he's not dead. Yeah, he's wrestling oh, he retired last year. Maybe. Hey, Deb. Okay, 30 seconds. You need to sell me on Danton Abbey. <laughs> you don't need yeah. 30 seconds, dude. You need like five seconds. It's the bomb. It's this is where I turn it off. You like well-written stories. You like interesting characters. You like... You like I, mean, I don't know. I know nothing about that show. Every ca- it's a huge ensemble cast, and yet every character is distinctive and memorable. Even though it's been... It's about like, the British... Awesome. Like, what... It's about a, a it's 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 about a, a lord and his wife and and servants and and the lord's daughters and and it's basically he he's he's in charge of the manor he's it's it is it takes it takes place in. Uh, Thank you.